Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to We Are Doomed, a Soccer Rangers podcast, where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and nerddom in general. Who are we? Well, I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger. Oh, that's me. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm the Black Ranger. And I'm Robert. I'm the Red Ranger. <laughs> and filling our fourth chair this week, where unlike last week, we had nobody, because nobody answered us. Uh, we have uh, Greg, our friend Greg from from Seattle. Hello, Greg. Hi, that's me. I'm Greg. It's good to be on the show. Yes, Greg is a local Seattle artist and all-around great guy, costumer, uh, prop creator, and costume maker, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. That's right. And as we were just discussing, absolute cereal fiend. Yes, cereal fiend definitely was. What'd you say in the past month? How many bowls of cereal? At least 200. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Anyway. It takes a lot of cereal to make serious cosplay. Oh, definitely. You got ha- to keep focused somehow. That's right. Okay. So uh, just getting, since you are brand new on our podcast, we'll get to know you a little bit. Um, tell us, what was your first cosplay um, slash con and what kind of got you into it? Oh, fantastic. Uh, goes back actually quite a long ways. Uh, so my first con was going to be non-desk con 2005 out in Colorado. Uh, got into it because I'm a huge weeb and there was really not an outlet for that in Colorado at the time. Pretty much anywhere. The internet really was still not on top of it. Uh, a couple of dorks getting together in a hotel ballroom sounded like an amazing idea. Um, <laughs> did that for a couple of years. And then uh, I think my first actual cosplay would have been uh, Light Yagami from Death Note. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that was actually the first one. I, uh, a megalomaniac, of course, would be my go-to, right? <laughs> Makes uh, sense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for cosplay, I think the thing that really, uh, for me, cosplay is all about prop building. Mm-hmm. I am really interested in the engineering and seeing just how creative I can be at bringing that cosplay to life, to figuring out how to make all the individual components and making all the details, you know, with my own two hands. And to me, that's really the the joy and the spirit of cosplay is the creation of the character that you love. Okay, so what type of like props do you like? Like armor prop or like weapons? Like what? What are you going for? Uh, so yeah, with props in general, I tend to uh, I tend to split them up uh, con by con into. Uh, heavy and unbearable things and uh, lighter, more entertaining things. And that's really just for different types of con enjoyment. Uh, yeah, I think we have all, all carried around that 12-foot battle axe once or twice. And just, uh, yeah, it's really cool, but uh, that's a different kind of day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I tend to focus more on the characters first, on what I want to enjoy at the con, and then I see what I have to do to make those props afterwards. So okay. I don't really have a, a deep focus. It's it's just more about the characters. Okay. Well, um, for example, what was what kind of props you've made so far? Uh, let's see. Uh, for some of the cosplay chesses, uh, there was mega props. Uh, I cast a what it was a twelve by nine foot uh, surfboard resin and fiberglass uh, witch hunter from Soul Eater. Uh, we did the twelve foot battle axe for Soul Eater also for the demon hunter. We made the disposable props in uh, in Soul Eater and Soul Eater. What was that one? Spartois Soul Eater. Uh, beyond that, uh, gosh, there's so many. Um, Light Yagami's Death Scythe. Uh, you know, emblems for snow from uh, Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Necklaces, jewelry, different things have come down the pipe. And you, and that's always cool. That's really interesting because Tyler also is a huge into prop making as well. So. 
and of course Tyler has his keyblades and and stuff yeah. like that. So I mean, I make my right. and you work with Wood a lot, don't you, Tyler? Yeah, I, I do because I it's the easiest thing to get a hold of. Like I just get a hold of a block of wood, and then I've got my design, and I just trace, and then it's all about taking material away. Um, and so that's I find that the easiest when I'm trying to figure out how to sculpt something or do it that way. Um, so yeah, it's just because it's a solid material, it holds together. Um, like what, what do you what do you normally make stuff out of? You uh, you might have one advantage up there where you're living uh, that allows you to use wood, and that is a workshop and saws. Yeah. So living here in downtown Seattle, right? That's that's the one drawback that I have is that I am very very pressed for space. Yeah. Uh, so everything is made inside my apartment, uh, which can be pretty interesting. Uh, you can't really work with anything that has uh, vicious odors or uh, is going to take uh, too much of your counter space for too long. So you get to work around that. But uh, primarily, uh, I try to make things that last. So yeah. I, I'm hoping they're forgiving, and I'm hoping they're affordable, and I'm hoping they're light. Uh, so I've used acrylic. I've used uh, aluminum that I've reclaimed from... Uh, some of the workshops nearby that have like sheeting left over, and I buy a scrap from them. Uh, foam? Cloth, foam, foam, definitely foam. You know, I'm actually just now branching into some of the newer materials that uh, have been in the cosplay communities, uh, like Warbla. Like, uh, it's been around for a little while. Well, I'm actually just now starting to use Warbla. Isn't Warbla like just ABS? No, it's, uh, it's like sawdust and hot glue. Oh, okay. It's yeah, just like, like they took a sheet of hot glue and they sprinkled it with sawdust and, and rolled it up. Yeah, well, because that's like, well, that's what MDF is, basically. Yeah, They use a lot more different uh, chemicals than that, though. Yeah, kind of, yeah, I think that the thermoplastic in this one's just a little different, right? Because mm. yeah. it, like, like, it's not sawdust. I think it's more, it's other stuff, isn't it? It's more plastic. Yeah, you know, it's I, plastic. Say, I say sawdust, but that's kind of a generic term for, you know, for the grind up. I know it does include wood. Yeah, because like, MDF is medium density fiber board, and so that's literally sawdust pressed together with glue. Um, where there's what is S- SDF, um, which is basically like composite board, like uh, fiberglass flooring is made of that, where it's a bunch of fiberglass. I know they do LDF as well. Glue. LDF uh, as well. Low density. Yeah. So I think Warble is probably just a bunch of like because uh, it, it's a it's a thermal plastic, so it's a plastic, so it's going to be something like. A polycarbonate or an ABS that's probably chewed up and glued together. So, yeah, it's probably something like that. But uh, um, yeah, and whatever I mean, the material it's 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 pretty much infinitely reheatable and remoldable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the big thing about it is. And you can get such interesting detail out of it. Uh, yeah, I'm, actually, uh, I'm just looking at it. It's very forgiving. Things. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much whatever you expect it to do, it's going to do, and uh, it. it kind of feels like cheating sometimes some of the props i made out of warbler they just uh i thought that was what cosplay is all about cheating into a costume that shouldn't be possible (laughs) and that it kind of is you know i I think it depends on which uh, philosophy you subscribe to but uh we're all aiming for that we manufactured it look without buying anything yeah we're all trying to do it on cheap so but i don't know that's how i've always worked on props because i've always had a job where it's a workshop so i can just do stuff at work because right now I'm working with uh, CNC routers and there's tons of plastic everywhere because that's what we work with. It's plastic. Uh, other job, it was all metal work, so I had a bunch of metal machines so I could work with metal and wood a lot there. So I kind of have places to work with plastic, woods, metals, unlike I guess you do. So I've never 
had a need to work with foam or anything because like foam's soft and sounds like it breaks because i also i have to travel so anything i make yes. has to be able to travel from where i live to like SakuraCon. So it's got to be... Unless you want to roll the dice, right? Yeah, yeah. it's got to be solid. Even then, I've made stuff out of, like, oak and pine, and it still breaks Snaps. on the way there. And, like, I know if that breaks, I can just throw some glue on there, glue it together, and it'll be solid enough. And it'll probably break on the way back. But the thing is, it'll break probably, like, an inch over from where it glued, and then I'll have another glue spot, because wood just has a... It, it's got a grain, and it's going to break on the grain if it's put on the wrong pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, same with like we're working with MDF. MDF is pretty light and really easy to work with, but it's it's soft. Fragile. If if you hit it to the wrong side, like if you push it from the side, it's solid. But if you like try and bend it, then it'll just snap right off. Um, I worked with oak. Oak is very solid. Um, it's splintered when you worked with it, so you got to be careful. But it's just it's so goddamn heavy. Made a keyblade and it's just like which keyblade was made out of oak? Um, two of them. The Fenrir and the Skull Noise. Yes. And so they're... I'm telling you, man. Poplar. It's much we can't really get that here. We don't so, got a lot of Poplar up here. It's mostly so oak poplar. and uh, um, like a bit of cedar, but that's about it. How, how Poplar works and pine, is, actually. It's more pine than anything up here. Cool. Let me talk. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how Poplar works is we grow lots of it here, and then we export it all oh, down to the States. <laughs> so there's lots of Poplar here. It just disappears, so we can't really... <laughs> buy it here it's it's kind of shitty like funny that. i've got a lot of poplar i'd like to sell you at an increasingly marked up price oh <laughs> what, what, a, what a coincidence so i tried pine and like pine's nice to work with it's soft smells good it's yeah. lighter than all the other keyblades i've ever made but it's got lots of knots in it even clean pine has yeah. knots in it so that's another thing so to you can be left fighting for uh, the piece that you need to make your keyblade mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna have to look at it and go okay so this is clean it's a little bit more expensive because it doesn't have knots all over it and then you gotta kind of have to place your parts smart on there so i don't know i might try plastics next um i've also always wanted to try casting and doing it in resin because i haven't done that before and i think that'd be cool so Boy, I, yeah, I, you know, uh, some surfboard uh, resin and fiberglass might be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So like a, a every gallon, keyblade. a gallon's going to cost you fifty bucks or so, and you know, sheets yeah. of fiberglass are cheap. Molds yeah. are might be a little bit more, but yeah. Well, but, you I mean, make, you can you can make your own mold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you make one mold, and it should last you a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, unless you're me, <laughs> I, I like see. That's well, the thing. I look forward to seeing that. Every every prop and thing I like to make, I want to make it differently, which is normally a bad idea because if you're trying to change how you're doing something every time, then you're not going to really master anything. You're going to be a jack of all trades. But then I kind of want to do that, so I kind of know how all these materials work. Mm-hmm. So I'll never be a master at woods. I'll never be a master at like uh, fiberglassing or foam armor. But I want to work with it at least once to kind of gauge how it works, so I can kind of get the pros and cons of everything. So when I get a thing, I can be like, okay, this works better this way, this works better this way. So I kind of have a wide variety of options. Mm-hmm. And then the one that I kind of think will work best, I can take down. <laughs> well, they, um, so theoretically, like over a long enough period of time, you're going to make multiple things out of wood, multiple things out of foam. Uh, and what you're really doing is building a, a, a repertoire of uh, techniques that you can use to approach different types of cosplay in different ways. You're just really exactly. making it easy for yourself. It's 
it's not to say you're not going to be a master. It's just to say you're going to always know what the best approach is um, because you've practiced a lot of different styles of cosplay. What it really boils down to is not limiting yourself to one specific thing when you may be able to do a whole lot easier another way. Yes, exactly. Okay, I'm actually going to stop you right there just for a second. I'm just going to stop you right there for a second because our main subject of the evening is, of course, props. So we'll get back into this in just why don't, a second. Why don't we just – okay, yeah, we'll just pause it. Let's get back into that conversation a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just going to jump to the next thing, just get, get through upcoming conventions real quick here. Um, this coming weekend, which is the weekend of the 18th to the 20th, we actually have a large amount of conventions going on um, across the world. <clears throat> We'll start with, we have Alcon in Dallas, going from the 17th to 20th. We have Manga Comic Convention in Letzing, Germany. Uh, Kamarari Con in Sanborn, New York. Kelowna Fan Expo in Kelowna, BC. Um, Con Nichiwa in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Ah, puns. Evil Con in Evansville, Illinois. I think that's I-N. Anyway. Um, Indianapolis, maybe. I don't know. FreeCon in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, Hanadoki Con in San Diego, California. J Pop Con. Okay, that's, I thought I was going to say popcorn for a second there, but anyway. Um, in Copenhagen, Denmark. KawaCon in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Mid South Con in Memphis, Tennessee. Ring of Fire slash Fursona Con. In uh, Hampton, Hampton, VA. That's um. Come on, you can do this. Come on, you know this. Virginia. That's not Virginia. VA. 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 I don't know. I'm horrible (laughs) at this. You should know. Damn it, man! You had it right. Was it second guess yourself? Virginia. Virginia. Uh, I don't know. Um, Sutocon in Langsing, um, Mississippi. TexanCon in Stevensville, Texas. Tri-City Anime Con was going to be held in Johnson City, tennis, uh, in Johnson City, but that was canceled. Um, GAM Convention in Naples, Utah. Alcon in Hobart Towers, Australia. Uh, ALT Con, Florida, which is in Tallahassee as well. That's two conventions in Tallahassee. Holy jeez. Um, uh, Armageddon Dunedin in Dunedin, New Zealand. Wait, wait, wait. Another Armageddon? Yes. What yeah. The- there was like another one last. Oh, man. There was one last this week. Like there was another one the week six. before. Uh, Madrid <laughs> Otaku in Madrid, Spain. Anime Japan in Tokyo, Japan. Oh, sorry. I just that, that's next week. Never mind. Ignore that one. Wait. Because <laughs> if I had kept going, I would have hit soccer con. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, though, and then moving on to comic book conventions, um, we have Silicon Valley Comic Con in San Jose. We have Texacon in Stephenville, Texas. Um, Co Comics Expo in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, Middletown Comic Con in Middletown. Uh, D- Detroit. No, that's not right. De Den. Dang it, De. De? Delaware, Delaware. Uh, I think. Yeah, Delaware. Um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually Delaware. Um, and that's it. 
And those are the conventions coming on this weekend. So if you are attending any of those conventions, have fun, be safe. Um, the extensive list. Indeed, it's a very long list this week. Um, but if you if you are there, have fun, um, make some memories. Don't be a jackass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, remember the rules of the con, people. All ten of them. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Now, moving back on to the the evening subject, which is props. What yeah. works and what is impractical for cons? So you guys were continuing. So go ahead. Oh, uh, we're on a roll, and now I don't know what to talk well, how, about. How about we just go and kind of reset the subject here, because we're talking about what makes sense and what's impractical for con. And I got to say, because... Greg, Greg knows this done... very well. <laughs> yeah, Greg, why don't you uh, why don't you go and tell us a little bit about how we met and the stuff that you did related to all of that? Because that um, that I think is probably about the right place to start. Because you made some pretty damn amazing things for. Uh... And normally, I don't even think they. F- I don't know how you fit them into the room. To be totally oh. honest, the size like, of some of those weapons that oh, you, you made. Were... Are you talking about? Uh, uh... Like so, like the huge scythe and uh, key, like, yeah. Hunter? Yeah. yeah, and that weird freaking heart thing. Heart thing. That the what the what the combined Power Ranger. Yeah, weapon. the uh, oh, the, yeah, the, oh, we did, the... did Hunter and yeah, yeah, that was the M. Yeah, 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 yeah the M. for the morph. That was the yeah. the pink Ranger M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those uh, yeah, yeah, that was a pretty wild year. Uh, that was that was uh, Sakuragon uh, two thousand and thirteen. Three years ago. Is everybody still there? Yeah, we're still here. Yeah, no, uh, let's see. We we did uh, the, the props for that con. They were they were all over the place. They they were all over the place. Uh, I made a, a throne to sit at, uh, a piano to play, uh, a prop for Soul Eater to break. I made the Soul Eater uh, Spartua, the Soul Eater uh, Kishin Hunter Battle Axe that was 9 feet wide and 14 feet tall. Uh, there was the uh, the what was it? A uh, little ogre. I made a uh, was it his 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 head, which was a giant head uh, that had glowing eyes. Uh, what else was there that year? That was a wild year. Yeah. Was a lot of props. Um, uh, and and the big M, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That was I, I pretty much fabricated from uh, uh, the the first part of January straight to SakuraCon every single day. So, yeah. but uh, uh, is, what yeah. what worked and what didn't. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, they were made out of all manner of things. So, I mean, that was part of the fun. Uh, uh, we Some were made out of foam. Some were made out of uh, aluminum that was covered in fabric. Uh, some was made of paper mache. Uh, uh, yeah, crap foam. Um, uh, plastic that I filled with, uh, with like, industrial foam. Um, so, so they, I, you know, each one had its own kind of unique challenges that were set aside to it. Uh, with the biggest prop, the, the most challenging thing was to find something that was rigid and light over a large enough distance. I mean, that for the mega props. Because over the years, I've actually... Um, I ended up using U-channel aluminum. Okay. Yeah, because I know you, in the past, I've actually also seen you like break a scythe like during game as well. Like I think it was a plastic one like the year before we actually got to know each other. Uh, the, there was one year that... The, the prop actually was broken during a performance on accident, and that was an acrylic prop. Yeah, that's what the one uh, I'm thinking of. Yeah, that was a matter of uh, the prop being a, a lot heavier. But yeah, I that's I think that was when we I, I think that was the one we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's quite a bit of prop. I wish I could bring that many props. Yeah, that that was the acrylic prop. The acrylic. Solid. 
Oh yeah, we're yeah, Greg's right. a little bit delayed. Uh, yeah, so. Look at you, really funny. Yeah, so that that kind of covers the kind of things yeah. you can get away with, especially for a big panel. Um, I guess the question to Greg would be: Would you ever consider going and walking around with that stuff? No, absolutely not. I, I think for practicality's purpose, uh, people definitely need to focus on uh, learning how to use foams correctly. Uh, Warble is an amazing thing for durability. Foam is an amazing thing for uh, weight. One one advantage that I have is that uh, I have quite a bit of muscle on me, so I can carry these props around rather well, and uh, not many pe people are going to be comfortable with my props. So, uh, to, to what Robert said, uh, people need to focus on, on some of the modern techniques uh, in foam uh, and, and the modern techniques with Warbla and the likes of that to make their props both effective and uh, wieldable. Mm -hmm. Ooh, just hit my hand on the mic. Yeah. Um, Tyler, do you, do, you, uh, do you run into that with your, with your wooden key blades? So after, after a day or two, my arm definitely does get sore because like the key blades range from five to eight pounds. Um, and what I find is the problem is you lose a hand. And so you always have one hand carrying something. And then when you want to do stuff, like if you want to go shopping or if you want to uh, like, yeah, buy stuff or look at stuff, then it's hard to kind of go about your own business when you're carrying a sword around or something. I've never had any props that are like super long. So I don't know what that's like, but I assume you really have to always be watching it so they don't hit people in the face or anything like that. Yeah, um, that's that's more my territory. I'm the one that's uh, dealt with the with ridiculous props. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, but no, it's it's yeah, it's right. You you've done that, right, Robert? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. No, from the Soul Eater sides to uh, Ichigo Kurosaki's uh, Shikai blade to all manner of gun blade. <laughs> I'm I'm used to going and carrying around props that are six plus Wait, feet you're, long. You're spending the whole time making sure you're not poking out somebody's eye. Pretty much, yeah, or look accidentally knocking over somebody every time you go and you know turn around. That's the biggest problem I go and deal with. No, I remember, I remember and the first time that I, yeah, exactly. I remember the first time that I uh, whipped out Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, I had scaled and made my own uh, Lionheart uh, gun blade to go along with it, uh, and unfortunately, being being all of six foot two, that meant for a very very long blade and. I'd done big props before with like Ichigo Kurosaki sword, which I had made basically out of cardboard and duct tape and then sealed. Um, that one I was never worried about hurting somebody with, but with this poplar gun blade, that was the most intense experience of my life trying not to go and hurt anybody. Um, I realized when I was doing test shots before going to the convention on how heavy this thing was going to be and how I was going to need to hold it while walking through the convention centers. I actually spent about a month just going and doing strength building exercises with my right arm to make sure that I was going to be able to go and hold the thing basically straight upright. So I didn't kill anybody moving through big crowds. Oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something people Andre. need to go and think about is, uh, what, the, what it's going to weigh and what it's going to be like trying to go and move through a crowded corridor or, uh, between gated areas. Cause sometimes you only have, you know, about six feet of height to go through. Definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got some yeah, stories. Yeah, we had to take with... a couple props apart in order to move them through doors. Oh, exactly. Um, back, uh, th this isn't prop related, but I made uh, the armor for Zant from Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess back several years ago, and 
I ended up being close to eight feet tall in that thing. And I had actually gone into the convention center between or uh, before the convention just to go and see on what the average height doorway was there. And most of them, I was able to clear it no problem. I never needed to adjust anything. There was one freaking door that I did not go and check. And, of course, I go and walk through it, and I just end up clotheslining myself. I uh, ended up flat on my back and could not get up. Took uh, took two green jackets uh, to go and get me up. It was bad. It was really bad. You didn't have a watcher? I just... That was my first time doing a big costume like that. I I'd never thought about that for... Uh, for big costumes like that, a watcher is definitely necessary, but we'll probably cover that in another con- uh, another conversation. Definitely. Yeah, but uh, big props. you got to know how you're going to walk around with stuff. And, yeah, definitely the bigger it is, the more factors you need to consider, not only for the sake of everybody around you, but also for the sake of the prop itself. I think we've all seen somebody walking through the convention center and somebody isn't looking what they're doing, runs into somebody, ends up snapping you know, a long pole or something like that. It's, uh, we've seen that on the chessboard. Oh yes, yes we've we seen like people like they under they overestimate the strength of their prop during like for example um, just a normal like a sword fight, mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. half the blade goes flying off. Yeah, right. Um, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure I remember seeing this, but a few years ago, I remember Amanda talking about this during during pre meet. Mm-hmm. Um, who that being our friend uh, Miji, who controls soccer uh, soccer chess. Um, <clears throat> She was talking about how they, or I can't remember. I think it might have been who was it? I'm trying to remember the name of the gentleman that helps for stage. Um, I cannot remember his name for the life of me. He was there for many years. He's a drama teacher. I remember I, he does a lot of drama work. Oh right, that's um. Name to be included later. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> any case, though, uh, we were watching, and you know, he was talking about how a few years ago. They were having a fight, and someone had like a long six half, uh, like maybe five six foot sword, and they were going through their routine, and they hit just a little bit too hard, and the sword split in half, and one part went flying into the audience. Oh wow! And almost hit someone. Yeah, I, I think that uh, has we can have f- that happen every year. Fall, <laughs> uh, I think that has fallen. My under. pants have hit the ceiling. <laughs> I think that has, I think that has to fall under the fact that. When you're practicing, you kind of you're very reserved and controlled, and you're like trying to remember any moves or anything like that. But then you you have adrenaline, and when you're actually up there doing your stuff, <coughs> you kind of just overshoot your marks. I remember also hearing a story of them. Some people like having some uh, some uh, choreographed fighting, and then they just during the actual fight, they happen to be just getting a little too into it, and then they get hit or like they do a jump or, and then they just kind of go flying because they have too much adrenaline and they actually can't really control themselves. And they just over overshoot what they think is what they're doing before. Cause like they do the amount of power they can do. And then what that is when you're on adrenaline is so much heightened. So yeah, that's, that's also a problem is that people just kind of get into it. But like that, that happens like you, you get hyped when you're doing those shows and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So you overexert, and, and that and happens. Just shows when you're coming. But just taking the the prop out of your bedroom and off of your desk and taking it to con, uh, you're gonna put it through the rigors. Yep. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So like I I like all my costumes and stuff. I normally play around with them a lot more. Like Cole, will, he gets a costume, he tries it on for like a couple hours. Um, I'll 
I'll wear it around the house multiple times, like for a full day, just to and just kind of play Radio around shopping. It. You know, a Saturday, a Saturday's <laughs> chores. I don't know if we go that far, but like normally my props, I like I like to admire them and do things with them, so I fling them around and stuff. And sometimes I hit things, and then something breaks, and I go, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll fix that now before I get to con and it breaks." And because I've had that trouble with um, my Mugen sword recently, so I bought the sword. Uh, I bought the sword, and it was like a replica, so it's kind of the cheaper under a hundred dollar sword replica. Uh, Metal blade. Yeah, but I didn't. I wanted to brandish it around and like show off the sword, so I took off the metal blade and put in a wooden one, and I just used uh, bamboo uh, wood and like cut that down, shaved it side, stuck it in there. And, and you used um, what was it? T- uh, ducking tape for that? No, no. Silver. Uh, du- didn't you put silver ducking tape on top of it? Not ducking tape, Cole. It's actual like chrome tape. So it's it's wider and it's meant to put on things and it's supposed to look shinier. So it's shinier than duct tape. Uh, than the aluminum stuff, and it's okay. not made out of aluminum. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of chrome tape, and to make it look like a sword. Um, and then that that lasted a con, uh, didn't break or anything. Went around. Um, it was when I was in my room and I was like pulling it out of con for like next con and going, oh, I got my sword. I'm gonna whip it around a little bit. It got the tip got caught on something, and then it snapped right at the hilt. So the because the blade was now just made out of wood, so it was actually a lot more breakable. And since then, I've tried to fix it a couple times, and I just fixed it recently, where I actually had to drill out the hilt and part of the blade, and I've got like a quarter inch mandrel in there, so that's the support there. So if it breaks, it's going to break further down the sword. So I don't think it's going to break, but it might. But I don't know. I'll, I'll deal Press with it. Now, it. But yeah, that's also another thing when it comes. Uh, uh, that's why I'm a huge fan. Of what do you found out? Sorry, I we did, I yeah, realized we was... no, no. Uh, um, I was saying uh, uh, of PL glue of uh, the polyurethane construction adhesives. Oh, yeah. they are demonically strong, demonically hard, and uh, when you need your props to never, ever, ever come apart, that's usually your go-to. Definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, that's another thing is like finding the right adhesives for stuff. Yeah, because literally every material has a different yeah, I just uh, use that bonding rate. Yeah, because like fabrics and stuff, I, I tend to use like uh, the double-sided carpet tape, which works really well. Um, other stuff, I am trying stuff like Gorilla, Gru- uh, Gorilla Glue. I use a bunch of and you know, just spray adhesives and stuff like that. And uh, it, it just sometimes you have different glues to try different stuff and whatever works works and it seems that each material you use is just kind of slightly different and uses a different kind of glue or adhesive i'm way lazier than that yeah <laughs> i don't know i've had a lot of things fall apart on me i guess yeah well like yeah, right I, now I, uh, that's why i use polyurethane construction for everything oh yeah. it just works on everything maybe yeah it works on everything i, I mean it's it's just it's terrible stuff it, it has very it's very unfriendly glue uh, it, it doesn't care that you're a consumer and that you're trying to do something neat. Uh, you it, all it cares about is sticking two things together. Yeah. yeah. Object A stuck with object B. That's Done. all that matters to it. It doesn't object care what B, right? object if it's, is. And if it's not B. that, then hot glue is your. Yeah. Oh yeah, hot glue. I I've stopped using hot glue so much now because it just it's never durable enough for me anymore. 
I guess he used hot glue on like foam yeah. stuff. Um, you're also forgetting, Tower, that this, the hot glue that you're probably getting a hold of is not is really just crap hot glue. Like there know, there are hot glues out there that are like a lot stronger. Well, there's that industrial hot glue, like like high temperature hot glue, low yeah. temperature hot glue. Yeah. yeah, there's there's the high temperature hot glue, which mm-hmm. like it looks yellow and it's like comes in huge bricks, and you gotta get like yourself a Dewalt uh, hot glue gun to use it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it still doesn't really. It does better than the stuff that we, you probably used at some point. Wow, because like I just mentioned the stuff that I was using, which was the high temperature with a Dewalt yeah. hot glue gun, and that uh, you didn't pick up on that at all, did you? No, I did not. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, okay, okay, right. Anyways. <laughs> So yeah, that's props. I don't know. Is there more to talk about? Less to talk uh, about? We so, can... Yeah. So the... Go ahead, Greg. Oh yeah. So the the matter was uh, we were the end result. When we were talking about the impractical. What's impractical for cons? Uh, the end result of that really. I mean, it, it sounds from between what Tyler's talking about with with carrying wood and what Robert's talking about with uh, making really tall costumes. I'm you know I carry these these gigantic uh, really uh, inaccessible props. What's impractical for for con is uh is what you're most comfortable with like i mean that's really what's your tolerance that's the, the question at hand you know do you want heavy props do you want bulky props make sure you know what you're getting prepared uh, and what you're getting into exactly yep. yeah i like seeing those guys in, like huge gundam and stuff and they're you know they're not going anywhere they're they're gonna move about 10 feet uh and then that's kind of how far they're gonna go because they're not getting around very easily it's just a big bulky yeah. costume but Hey, they look fucking cool, and they're getting tons of photos. And you look great. That's that's your day. That's what you came there to do. Yeah, you're you're a model. If you're if you're gonna go shop something, I like I like shopping in street clothes. So it's just like put on my regular clothes, yeah. go down to the vendors <laughs> hall, buy my things that I want to buy. Because even when you're in costume, people are gonna stop you and try and take photos. And like I, I like getting taken photos, so I, it's hard for me to say no. Like I'm in a hurry or something, because normally I'm not in that much of a hurry. If I was, then I probably wouldn't be shopping. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, I guess then from here we can also move on to the fandom of the week if we don't have anything left to talk about on there. Well, there's always stuff to talk about props, but we'll save it for another time. Okay. So hold on, okay. Um, where's that freaking switch? Uh, here it is. What is a fandom? Movies, TV, anime, web series, anything can become one. But the internet has made them into something more. Wars have been fought over whose fandom is the greatest. Families, friendships, and marriages have all been lost in these battles. Every week, we see who has what it takes to be the best. It's Rob's Stone Cold Pick of the Century for this week. Let's see who has what it takes to be it this week. And there it goes again. You keep saying that like you don't like it. I like it. It just it just seems so ominous. And there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about ominous. I mean, I this 
I think it's just going and bringing up the expectation for how good the conversation's going to be in Rob's Stone Cold Pick of the Century for this week, also known as the Fandom of the Week. Uh, and <laughs> you have something to say, Cole? No, just go right ahead. All right. So last week in the middle of us recording our podcast, something very exciting, at least for me, uh, ended up coming out over the news feeds. Uh, Amazon has ordered a pilot for a new live-action Tick series. And for, for those, those who, who don't know, what is The Tick? The Tick is basically a nigh-invincible giant, and I shouldn't say giant, uh, round uh, eight-foot-tall blue nigh-invincible superhero with a severe learning disability. Uh-huh. That's basically the best way I can go and describe the tick. Also, he doesn't really know why he's called the tick. He just is the tick. Okay. I'm trying to explain it to him will not go and make anything easier. Yeah, he doesn't uh, really they, have an origin story, does he? Not really, no. He just kind of came into existence. And he does have a nemesis, who's another hero, ironically, named the tick, who's upset because the tick stole his name. What about Chairface? I thought Chairface was one too. Oh yeah, Chairface Chippendale, yeah. Like but even his sidekick has a uh an origin story. Yeah. It's yeah not a very not good one. He just yeah, no. <laughs> he just bought like a moth costume and just started wearing around and then got fired from work and now he's just a superhero. Yeah. Basically the background to this world is superheroes are real. They're constantly among us. There's still police and all that structure, but these self-appointed vigilantes basically get to rule the rooftops and take down all the bad guys who apparently don't realize that there are superheroes literally running around and trying to go and mess up their day. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a very unique thing. Uh, originally a comic series, then it became an animated cartoon in the 90s, which was hilarious and still lives on to this day in uh, people's DVD players. And in the early 2000s, they tried making a live-action series that aired on Fox, and the idea was kind of good. Like, I actually still applaud the merit of the concept they went for. The problem was, you could tell it was just regular sitcom writers that had no idea what the hell a comic book was writing for it. So it didn't survive very long. It had nine episodes that were produced, and only eight of them even aired on television. Oddly enough, though, that still fit the theme of the show somehow. Oh, it did fit the theme of the show. It wasn't even that was necessarily bad. It was just, well, I could be watching this or I could be watching whatever ended up becoming Two and a Half Men like five years later on CBS. Yeah, just the writing for it. They did a great job with all of the set designing, with the costume work was really impressive for the time period, but the writing was... I swear to God, you could go and pick up anything on NBC or CBS and go and find about the same level of humor. Because this is a comedy, regardless of what it looks like. It plays itself off like it's supposed to be this action thing. And it really is just a comedy sitcom. Um, but even still, I, I did love it. It had its issues, but I, I still love the live action series they went and made. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, seeing that it's coming or potentially they, coming. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> it got nuts. 
Um, and I'm kind of excited seeing that's coming to Amazon. Uh, it's being produced by, I can't remember his name. I'm trying to look it up here. It's the same guy that did the Zombieland pilot for uh, Amazon. That one, unfortunately, never got picked up. But I'm, I'm imagining what that creative team could do with a property like The Tick. And it's got me very, very excited. And because of that, I uh, wasn't planning on doing this so soon, but we got a lot of uh, good feedback with the Doomed Fandoms Part 1. So we we're going to go back. Yeah. Do people, people watch this show? I yeah. 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 I know. I know. I mean, our YouTube channel is currently being locked because of some YouTube related issues. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're up to a whole 16 watchers. And I have no idea what we're doing on iTunes, but we got four people watching us on SoundCloud now, too. So I don't know how to check on, on, to, on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. I mean, we're reaching a whole tens of people. And at least two of them have given us positive feedback on that. So we're, uh, we're going to go and roll with that and do the Doomed Fandoms Part 2. We're going to talk about shows that just ended before their stories were over. Okay, well, who wants to go first? Um, uh, as our guest, how about, uh, how about Greg goes first? Hmm? Just got to wait for his internet to catch up. <laughs> yeah, he's on quite a oh, delay. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I live uh, down here in Seattle. You know, things are a little bit archaic. Uh, a, a doomed fandoms. Gosh. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, we, we're talking about uh, how fast things have been moving these days uh, with uh, the influx of uh, comic companies and, and, and big anime making shows just as fast as humanly possible. So it's been really exciting to see how much content has been coming to the geeks of uh, the United States and subsequently the world mm -hmm. so when i start looking at fandoms that's that's part of the fun thing is that uh, fandoms used to mean a little bit more i think um a lot of times now it seems like everyone is trying to latch onto the newest and quickest fandom just as fast as humanly possible right yeah well i, I definitely agree with that all you gotta uh, do is look at uh wait, did you just stroke out there for a second yeah you just did <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the delay is killing us here <laughs> Because they're like asking you questions and just like this wait. man is the master of suspense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for. <sighs> All right, so uh, so uh, Doom fandom, my my exciting Doom fandom uh, for this week. Uh, I am going to go out on a big stretch here, and I am going to talk about the anime fandom that I would like to die the quickest, and that's Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> That one I wonder about a little bit. I, I kind of, in the U.S. market, I am a little concerned that that one That's might already say, be Attack dead. Titan yeah. needs to end up in the belly of the whale. <laughs> uh, All right. it, it's possible. It's po I mean, it might have eaten itself. It's a bit of the... I did not so, fulfilling prophecy there. Okay, hold on. Just a uh, second. I don't think we, we got to see the end of the series, and I think uh, the the fan, that fandom is definitely doomed to obscurity. I think it has no staying power. Okay, um, just so you know, Greg, we lost about half of that. <laughs> I do think we got the message, though. Yeah, but essentially, we agree, but we I think we got the most of that out of from that though. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but in other case, you think that right, it's, right, the message it, that that, uh, that my dear. Boy, the yeah. internet does not want uh, his opinion to be heard. <laughs> apparently not. Um, okay, let's just pause it there for just a second. Uh, what can you do? 
<laughs> All right. So while we're waiting for him to All come right, back, I'll give it a go. All right. <laughs> we'll see you in a moment. Yeah. This the wonders of the internet. We're able to go and do a podcast literally with about fifteen hundred miles between any one of us, but uh, doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. So not always. sorry, folks. But uh, Tyler, I know that uh, you really wanted to talk about this one last time around as soon as you remembered it. So uh, I'd love to go and hear what you got to say about your Doom fandom. Oh, better off, Ted? Yeah. Um, God, how do, I, how do I say this? It was... Oh, I just scrolled down. What the hell am I looking at? <laughs> Anna. Hmm. Did Anna get it? Really? That's, that's not... That's just straight... Yeah, yep. uh, yeah we're, that's just, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about it now. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, how, how, how to say it? it's just it's a it was a really good show. It kind of if you ever watched something like the IT Crowd or The Office or anything like that, where it's like an office setting, and um, they kind of written in the same way as, uh, uh, yeah, like like the IT Crowd. If you like those kind of jokes. If, if you ever watched the IT crowd. Yeah, I have. Um, where it's just lots of humor and jokes and things happen in the office that create a weird, uh, like a situational comedy. And then everything's resolved at the end. And But the thing is, it was like a, um, a firm, it was like a company that made products. So there's like two science who were always doing R&D and they had like a weird back and forth chemistry. Uh, there was like the cold, uh, cold, stern female boss that always wanted things done. Um, there was the main character who was like a, uh, a, a um, what is he? What is, what's the word? I want to say spin doctor, but what he, what, just he, um, he was in advertising. He advertised the products. Yeah, um, a marketing agent, basically. Yes, there you go. Yeah, I was trying to think of what direction you were going with that statement. Um, so, and then each beginning of each episode, uh, they even had like a commercial for one of the products their company made. And it was always like some really weird product and a really funny commercial. And it was just kind of really unique and different that way. So it, it was, it had like, uh, oh, I guess another, um, if you ever watched something like Scrubs, uh, same kind of idea where it's like, everyday life but then just weird antics kind of happen and that make things kind of funny and different and it was a really entertaining show like i really liked it it's on netflix right now and it only lasted one season because i guess people just didn't watch it i don't i don't know why it only got why it got poor ratings because it was it's a very entertaining show like i enjoyed it but that's kind of what happens is some shows stick and some don't yeah um like it had uh, Portia was the um, what's her last name Portia. I can't remember her full name, but she was also on like Arrested Development. Oh, Portia De Rossi. Sorry, yes, yeah. Portia De Rossi. Yeah, Portia or is it Portia? Yeah. Portia. I, I think yeah, it's Portia. Yeah. Anyway, she was on there. Yeah, yeah, she's dating. Uh, I don't know if she still is, but she was dating Ellen DeGeneres. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's married to Ellen. Married to Ellen now. Married. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I can't say I follow her that tightly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's 
it's I, I don't know how to say any more of that. It was a good show. It had a good concept. It had good characters that I enjoyed watching. Like I liked I liked the two scientists who were in R&D because they always riffed off each other. And so they're like comic relief. Um, there was the main character who everything seemed to be happening to him. There was the um, uh, Portia. Her character was really funny because she was like the stern boss. Um, but like. Yeah, it just the show only had one season and then that was it. Never got never got uh, another season after that. And it kind of kind of makes me sad that it kind of died away. So but that's that's what happens. If shows aren't getting watched, then they don't they don't renew them for another season. Yeah, unfortunately. So but if if you guys have a chance, go go look it up because it's it's on Netflix and. It's a really good show, and it falls under the lines of all those other kind of sitcoms of, like, everyday life, but then weird antics uh, happen, and yeah. So, that's that's my piece. Um, yeah, Cole, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go and move on next here? Okay. Um, mine is... I guess for mine... It's, I have I didn't watch every single episode of the show, but I really kind of enjoyed it's the show uh, that I'm talking about is Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It's essentially the the fake behind the scenes of like an SNL type show, essentially. If I would put that right, would you would you guys oh, agree? Most definitely. And and it kind of its return to television after after a period of time. I'm not really sure. But unfortunately, that ended up going off the air after I'm not sure how many episodes, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but I don't think it even made it through a full season. Mm. No, that uh, that one got pulled. Uh, that one got pulled uh, right during the uh, I think during the fall. Yeah, one season. Period. One season. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I remember that one. All the episodes didn't air. There was a DVD they released on it. It had like six episodes that weren't aired or something like that on there. Yeah, yeah there was. was yeah. I'm looking at the IMDb right now, and there was a total of 22 episodes. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, it ran for, or it had a full season produced, but yeah, I don't think it ran, or I don't think it aired all those episodes. No. Um, the it's head got for a the, pretty good score. It does. Yeah. Um, like the head of it was Matthew Perry, which is a fairly, very funny guy. Oh, definitely. That, that Wasn't that his first project after Friends ended? I'm not sure. Maybe. But yeah, that was Matthew Perry, Bradley Whitford. Um, a whole bunch of other names in here that, that that are like, like Simon Helberg, like who everybody knows better as, um, from, uh, what was it? Uh, big bang theory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Who knows him as Howard Wallowitz. He was in this as well as one of the writers be- and slash actors behind the scenes. Yeah. And there's just a whole bunch of amazing cast that got put into this thing for various different things. And it's it's kind of unfortunate that not a lot of people enjoyed it, but that's kind of just what happened. Well, I, I think they marketed that one poorly. I, I remember seeing the advertisements for it, and it was almost pitched like it was supposed to be a straight-up comedy, like uh, more like what 30 Rock ultimately ended up becoming. Yeah. Um, but, but it was a lot of Sunset Strip. Of, is that the Sorkin? Is that Aaron Sorkin? Uh, let me look. Uh, yeah. For who? For like who directed? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he did uh, Sports Night, right? So, so he's really smart, smart writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it too smart for people? I for the NBC audience, I'd make the argument yes. Yeah, I think because it was kind of a weird. <laughs> it was a combination of comedy slash drama, and not, it just didn't work very well. This particular combination of how they did it just didn't work. Yeah, Apparently. at least not for at least not for marketing because yeah. it was actually a really smart series. It, I agree. Yeah, I think this came out the same year as uh, something I hope to one day talk about during one of the uh, Doomed fandoms. There was another show that premiered, I think, the same year called Reigns, which starred uh, Jeff Goldblum. And that actually was like a police detective drama, but the writing for it was actually more what you'd expect, despite a kind of fantasy element that tied into it. The writing was very much real world, and you actually felt connected to these characters. And I just don't think in the era where... Will and Grace was still airing and Friends had just ended. The Thursday night period they aired that on. I just don't think that it probably worked for enough people watching NBC. We were looking for just a quick yuck at you know, 10 o'clock. I think a lot of people ended up turning in because Chandler was there. Yeah, and I, I got a feeling you're probably right about that. Yeah, and the character to the, the characters that between like the main character, uh, Matt, Matt Abel was the character's name. And which is funny because he <laughs> never mind. Uh, but between the two, they went seeing. Oh, Matthew Perry's in there. He's gonna. He's and we all love him and know him as Chandler. He's probably gonna be just as funny. And of course, the style of comedy was just not the same as Friends. Nope, not even close. Nowhere close. Right. This wasn't. This wasn't like Joey. No. <laughs> Can we not no. talk about that? <laughs> Joey was a weird attempt. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Even you know, Matt, Matt LeBlanc even, would like us to not talk about that. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc doesn't even want us to talk about Joey. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's doing top gear now. He's fine. He's all right. He he's put it behind <laughs> him. We gave him a second chance. Yeah. It's like yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, case. haven't we given him like four chances? Well, he. He did it well this time, apparently. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I think we were really just giving him a chance to move on from Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> and other Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in any case, though, I think that's all I have to say about it. So who's left? Uh, that would be me, I believe. Unless uh, unless we want to give Greg a chance to go and speak without technical issues. Yeah, like let's, let's try that again. You while were he has the about, chance. Yeah, well, all you, yeah, you were talking about Attack on Titan. Going back in the way, back uh, my my immense love for Attack on Titan. Uh, I think that uh, the anime community has been grasping at straws for fandoms the last couple of years since the giant deluge of anime uh, has kind of run its course, mm-hmm. and we look to everything that comes out and we try really hard. And I think that there are going to be as many. Uh, what are those things? The the 3D kits? Is that what those are called? Oh, the maneuver 3D maneuvering gear. Yeah. 3D oh. maneuvering. I think that is going to be sitting in somebody's closet right next to their Guitar Hero guitars. Oh, and their Naruto of, cosplays. I kind of feel like we're already yeah, there. I believe, well, I mean, but Naruto, I think you could actually break that out in a year or so, and uh, it might be a little more nostalgic. I don't think anyone will really look back on Attack on Titan with all that much fanfare. I don't know. It, I yeah. never got into it. I've actually watched a little bit of the first episode. I'm like, this isn't for me, and I just can, and I stopped. I I watched it, but I don't get why it took off as much as it did. Like it, it it was it was okay. It was good anime. I watched it. Uh, it was not like higher than most other animes. It was it was it was above par. Um, but then it like it people just latched onto it, and and people just 
like they made a movie of it and then there's like a theme park and now there's like a multiple uh, games online. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, uh, a spinoff version where it's like chibi attack on Titans where they're going to school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and, and is, that, is that a possibility that they found something that was slightly popular? And so they began to milk it as fast as they can for all it's worth. That's, I think that's, that's exactly what happened. I, I'm pretty sure that's the and, case. It, yeah. That's not going to ingratiate a long-running fandom um, because you're not you're working from a sales perspective as opposed to a fan perspective, uh, and I think that uh, you're going to hemorrhage fandom pretty fast on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I remember last year, because like ep- veteran cosplayers, when they're paying attention, like we are, we all have our connections to like different animes and what things are are blowing up, and. I'm Ben. As soon as I saw um, when Titan uh, Attack on Titan blew up, I knew exactly what was going to happen that particular year, which is what we t- also talked about, which is most likely going to happen this year as well. Um, and I walked into SoccerCon that year, and I was like, "Yep, it happened." And I saw a million people wearing the freaking uniform. I do like, yeah, I do like cosplays, which are like the mi- military uniforms like that because i, I want to do that as a group with people and like because it's all very the same and then you get a bunch of people like that and it looks really cool when you have a bunch of people mm-hmm. part of the yeah. draw too right i mean you get to each pick your section of the, what they have three different uh yep. Uh, yep. soldier classes inside the show yep mm-hmm. you know and so you you can pick where you're at inside of your mindset towards the series and uh and then yeah you all get together and, and you're a little army yeah, that's why I like Full Metal Alchemist, too, is because they had like, their military gear that you could get people all wearing, and that would look cool. Yeah, the, the show was very you, Right, that had the duality, yeah. though. Full Metal uh, Alchemist? Attack on Titan's really cosplayable from the main character's perspective, but not so much from the opposite side, where you have the Titans. Yeah, oh, definitely you, you see people in Titans. Well, you but still people just dress in Titans, but, but that's literally all it is. But is that really the same as seeing the homunculus from, uh, from Full Metal? No. No, because they they're very it's unique. Not quite as effective. Like there's only two or three very unique uh, titans, and like that how they were is like the main one that had like the blonde hair, and then the other one that would just had more uh, muscle mass on them. But like other than that, they were all very very blobs of naked people. Yeah, and and we can't represent their size, so that kind of takes away from the effectiveness of the cosplay. Yeah, to a yeah. point, I suppose. But you know uh, what you are. Like, you see a person in a morph suit that has muscles all over them, you go, okay, they're... Yeah. They're yeah. Oh, yeah, so It's the lazy cosplay of the Attack on Titan series. Like, I think the best one that I've ever seen of that particular was one is where someone actually did, like, full makeup. Yeah, think, that'd be cool. Yeah. And it was well, very well done. But at the same time, it's very time-consuming. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what, set, that's what sets it apart, though, is that measure of special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can you can have any. I don't think we have to worry about it too much this year. We'll just see all the Deadpool and Star Wars cosplay. Yeah, yeah, yep. God help us. God yeah, help us all. So there's always those fan fandoms. We'll see a lot of who's, who's... Uh, Undertale too. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, Undertale. Because that will, uh, at least it's a nice departure from the uh what is it homestuck crowd yes yeah like i i just i know it's gonna be the homestuck crowd is gonna jump to that though which mm-hmm. is not yes. good because i i i like i i read homestuck and i enjoyed it i played undertale i enjoyed it it's just the fandoms like they're those two fandoms are actually very related because they've got 
the guy who made Undertale was also working on uh, Homestuck. Like he did all the music for Homestuck and like lived in the guy's house who created Homestuck and stuff like that. So they're very intertwined uh, fandoms. So that's why them jumping from one to the other is not going to be a surprise whatsoever. No, nope. that's the Tumblr portion of our uh, our crowd. Yes. Yep. yep. Tumblr. Yep. Yep. Anyways, though, um, Robert, you're the only one left. Yep, yep. I'm the last one here, and I, I'll admit I was buying time because I'm still having a hard time trying to pick what I want to talk about. But uh, I think I'm going to settle take my, on... Take my excuse. Cop out. Cop out. <laughs> I will not cop out in this. <laughs> in your own segment. Yep, exactly. In my own segment, I shall always be at least semi-professional. semi Bullshit. At least at a minor level professional. Pretend to be professional. There we go. I'll stick with that. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to settle with the show that I think is one of the most unfortunate cancellations in history. Uh, Pushing Daisies. Any of you guys familiar with this one? Oh, barely. um, I remember when it was airing, but I don't think I watched it. Hmm. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, this came out during a kind of interesting time period. Uh, just to give a little background to the show, it's about this guy who, as a child, found out that if he touches something dead, he can bring it back to life. But after 60 seconds, unless he touches it again and kills it, just with a touch, beep, that's it, you're done. If he lets the object or if he lets the person, creature, animal, bug go and stay alive for more than 60 seconds, another life is taken of equal value. It's got kind of a FMA sort of equivalent exchange thing going on inside of it. Hmm. Uh, Who's and the determiner yeah. of this life value? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little it's a little interesting with the way that's set up. Um, but long story short, when he was a child... His mother died. Uh, she had a brain hemorrhage and just died on the floor. He wasn't sure what happened. He brings her back to life uh, by accident. One of those early situations where I just didn't know this is the way that my power worked. And it ends up killing uh, the father of the girl across the street that he's got a tremendous crush on. And the two of them end up separated for like 20 years. He becomes socially awkward and opens up a pie shop, which sounds a lot dirtier than it actually is. He literally opens up a, uh, okay. a delicatessen that only works in pies. <laughs> okay, so so I'm just reading the storyline base here. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, he was really they, busy yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so they can, I'm sure he was. So they remain alive only for a minute or someone else has to die to take their place. Yep. Yep, quite literally. So someone comparable, have, right? So like a child for a child, or a box of kittens for a baby. Uh, don't know about the box of kittens part, but uh, same kind of concept, and it's close proximity as well. So there is a theoretical argument that if nobody was close, then maybe nobody would die. Um, it's somewhat disputed inside of there. They, they didn't examine every aspect of this particular reality. But uh, just to kind of wrap up the plot point, um, 
he's uh, working with this private investigator because obviously going and running a shop that only sells pies can't be the most profitable business in a major city. So he's working with this private investigator that's going and solving uh, either unsolved or cold cases uh, by going and using Ned, the pie man, and his power to go and bring back these people that have died. The police have no idea you know, who the culprit was that did it and basically just asking them, all right, who done it? Uh, was this guy. Thank you. Poke. Dead. Again. Uh, but they end up taking on a case of this girl who was strangled uh, on a cruise ship. And it turns out to be this long-lost love interest. So he brings her back to life and doesn't go and uh, put her back down in under 60 seconds. So now she's stuck in his life the two of them have this insane romantic chemistry, but the two of them can never touch. Otherwise she'll she die dies again. Exactly. It makes for a lot of very strong, both sexual as well as romantic tension inside of the series. It was a very sweet show, despite it's somewhat morbid, uh, morbid backstory. Um, it won 17, her, uh, yeah, the series received 17 uh, Primetime Emmy Award uh, nominations, seven wins, uh, including Outstanding Directing for a Comedy Series uh, and Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for Kristen Chenoweth, who a lot of people now know her for, well, pretty much everything. She does a lot of voice acting work. She was the original Glinda in Wicked back when it was on Broadway. Uh, that was her first step into television, and she was amazing as the most darling character ever, all of Snook. The series was really good, but this is kind of a weird case, because it started off with massive ratings. Although the reason for it's a little bit on the weird side, I hate to say. Uh, this came out during the writer's strike back in 2007. Uh and because of that, a lot of shows that were in production uh, ended up getting pushed out to television because there were no new shows in the middle of October. Or I should say there were no new episodes being produced for any shows in the middle of October. This is what some people describe as the lost season uh, for a lot of long-running television shows like Law & Order. Hmm. So this came out. Uh, this was one of three shows that came out during that period of time, which were met with insane... Uh, press, media hype, and really good ratings for their first season. Pushing Daisies, Dirty Sexy Money, and Terminator, the Sarah, uh, Sarah Carter Chronicles. Uh, all three of those premiered around the same time, and all of them were met with huge ratings as a result of it. Very well received, obviously tons of awards. Things got a little bit weird, though, because the following season, because uh, most of these, the series had been, or the first seasons had been produced, and they were just waiting until the spring season to go and roll out the 10 to 13 episodes of either one of them. They just ended up running them in the fall. Uh, following season, they go and come out, and in the case of all three of these shows, the networks they were airing on didn't promote them. They just thought, oh man, we haven't had ratings this strong in a long time. We don't need to spend any money on this. We'll just go and put it back into the return of Law & Order, SVU, SVI, SUV, or whatever the hell it was. So all three of these series ended up getting cancellation notices before December came around. So you went and had 
Pushing Daisies, which ran uh, almost the entirety of its episode run, got canceled. Dirty Sexy Money only got like four episodes into the new season before it got canceled. And Terminator, the Sarah, Car- uh, Sarah Carter Chronicles. Wow. Or Sarah Connor. Connor. Eh. Connor. Connor. Sarah Connor Chronicles. It's the 2C thing. I don't, I don't know what it is with me. Hey. Um, that one was basically dead the day that it premiered. <laughs> Uh, just nobody watched it. They still end up airing them all out because they didn't have anything to replace it with. But the series did very well on DVD. Uh, you can go and access it now on Amazon Prime. It's just one of the sweetest and most well-written shows you've ever seen. And for anybody that listened to the Harry Potter audiobooks, it's narrated by Jim Dale, who I swear to God has the most velvety smooth voice ever put to uh ever put to an audio reel he's just great so uh yeah that's my attempt at professionalism okay that was that was a good attempt Definitely. yeah i <laughs> hard to believe i was going and debating between this and two other shows when i was going and talking about it. it's like oh which one do i go with no time to prepare ah, just go on pushing daisies all right then i guess we'll just move on to tyler's thing tyler i've dug up the crew they're waiting Huh. Uh, yeah. What? The crew's... Huh. What? Well, they're looking extra green today. Um, Dave has lost an arm. How he's going to play bass without an arm, I don't know. I think he's okay, I'm, I'm, covering, I'm covering for him this time around. I think he's okay. going to use his teeth. Anyways, <laughs> let me count them in. A one, two, one, two, three. Ah, it's time for Tyler's Anime Corner. Now, in Tyler's Anime Corner, once a week, I, Tyler, ask a question about anime, and my friends come up with an anime to fit that question. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's just plain weird. But what it always is, is very enlightening. Now, this week's question is, what anime did you regret watching all the way through? Wow, that's a mouthful. Let's see what my friends came up with in this week's Tyler's Anime Corner. Now, this is kind of a uh, weird question, if you can really think of one. Maybe Have a good night, guys. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You did great. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll show themselves out or yeah. decompose on the spot. Either they or. dig themselves. They just go out the front door and then they start digging. Now, hold on. So they don't even go back into the same holes? <laughs> like they just go and dig a new one every week? Yeah. Well, they they kind of just kind of seal behind them as they get out. Oh. Uh. That's it's, both convenient as well as kind of concerning. See, we're getting, this is necromancy. This is how it works. We had a problem with HR where people were walking by and falling into the holes and then they were suing. And then so it's just it's just a commodity thing we have to do now. We have to fill in their holes. So no one injures themselves because it, it's, it's just it's bureaucratical nightmare. So, yeah. And, and really all it is is just an extra um, couple words added onto the necromancy r- resurrection spell. So, why not? Boy, Ebbs really does work hard at this, doesn't she? Mm-hmm, she does. Wow. So, anyways, since we have a weird question, um, or a very wordy question that I had trouble fitting into that opening, <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to see how you guys interpret this, and if you even come up with things to pick. So, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with Cole first. Yeah. You're... You suck. Uh, <laughs> for this one, because my anime is such 
I would have to say just such um, a smaller pool to draw from than you guys. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Um, for me, I don't. I haven't really come across anything that I've regretted watching, like other than the the magical boys thing that I shall not speak of. <laughs> much more, much more clarity. But yeah, that's the only thing I regret watching. But I never watched it until the end. Hmm. Well, I how about how about an anime that you regret watching all the end, and that you didn't want it to end, or the end completely changed the whole anime for you with some kind of twist, whereas like it was good, and then the ending changed everything. Mm. M Night Shyamalan somewhere. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> someone. M Night Shyamalan, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, like Avatar the movie. Uh, I don't know. For me personally, I don't know. I've always personally, just for me, I I've never had a really a chance to watch all my favorite animes that I've watched. Don't have a fucking ending yet because they're still going. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah. yeah. So hold on, hold on, guys. He actually does have the perfect example here because remember. Fairy tale ended before it came back. You can actually use fairy tale in context for a change. Oh my god! Hmm. Technically true, but at the same time, not really. Like yeah. I could, if if you follow that that logic, I could st- I could use Food Wars. Hmm? Well, no, because it hasn't come back yet. Yeah, exactly. Where fairy t- fairy tale it like ended, and then it started again. And then that one's kind of ended, and they got zero now, which is also kind of ended, but still continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still haven't watched any of that. As so. long as people are paying for it. Exactly. Hmm. Well, you got nothing? Nothing whatsoever? I don't All- really have anything whatsoever. Um, the only thing I could say that I regret even watching like what was released would have, have to be the stupid Magical Boys bullshit. Hmm. So... So where, what what animes have you finished then? I have finished well, Food Wars for now. I've finished uh, Cooking Ramen, Bo- uh, Cooking Master Boy. I've finished. Oh God, I don't have. I sort of online the original. Uh, what else was there? There's a whole a whole bunch of smaller ones that I don't think really count. Like that, mm. I don't even remember their names anymore because hmm. it's been so many years. Like, I'm sure there is one that I could think of, but unfortunately, I just can't think of one. Well, that's disappointing, Cole. I know. I'm, dis- I'm a disappointment. You'll have to see me after class. We'll talk about your score. <laughs> <laughs> that is very ominous, by the way. Oh, yeah. There, there's the point. No, there's no point system. I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend to put a point system in on this. <laughs> that would be an extra work. Is yeah. that like the, uh, the Hogwarts point system where it's just kind of arbitrary and it's called out by an old man? Oh, the best kind. Just like whose line point system. Yeah. <laughs> Ten points for Gryffindor. And then so, it just all gives up in the end. Yeah. Well, then, um, I guess you don't. So you don't really have any regrets. All the animes you watched have been perfect. I've, I, no, well, not perfect, but they were oh. good and I enjoy oh. them. Oh, OK. I'm not, I, I don't think there's really anything that can be considered a perfect anime. Ah. Ah. That's that right. There, there are there, there are, are awesome animes, but there's nothing that everything is absolutely perfect. Mm. Um, I I got a, I got a thought here, Cole, just to kind of give you an out. Um, you've seen Howl's Moving Castle, right? Yes. 
ending to that one feel like it took away maybe a little bit from the rest of the uh yeah the actually now that you mention it yeah that's you have a very very good point there like just the fact that it's just like okay i'm just okay his heart's back okay we're done mm-hmm. like it just it seemed like such a cop-out yeah, so that that fits in it's, like any anime that maybe the ending just kind of copped out or you regret the ending yeah, of like, it. Or... Like there wasn't any really change. It kind of like, it just is like, oh yeah, Howl's alive. Okay. Yeah, everything's fixed. It's the uh, deus ex machina of everything just sort of fixes itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But, but, but they don't live happily ever after. He just continues on. Well, she's living with him. True, but he's still an old woman, isn't she? No, she's young again, but she just has gray hair. Uh, but she yeah. still has the curse on her. Yeah. yeah. But uh, when she feels young at heart, she looks young. Yeah. It's the problem is that she always feels old at heart, so that's why she turned old. Just like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Man. Well, you'll you'll say you'll say something like Howl's Moving Castle and you regret. Oh, yeah, I'll say how. Yeah, I kind of regret the way that ended. It just seemed such like a cop out. It should have been better. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Ouch! Gonna have a lot of upset fans over that one. Mm. I don't know that. That's one where the movie itself is really good, but I hear more people complain about the ending of that one than about the greatness of the rest of it. So I, don't, I don't know. He might get I, away with that one. I won't say that. The, like, the, I love the show. It's very, very beautifully done. Actually, yeah, I think I, I'm going to change my answer because of Coles now. <laughs> but because provoking. But because of that, though, it's. It just seemed like it was like the show was awesome. It was like really grand schemed and it had a lot of depth to it. But it seemed like the ending was shallow. Hmm. Hmm. Shallow. That's that's an interesting premise, uh, considering how uh, how it was wrapped up. Um, I don't know in if it's any more or less not, shallow not, to me than, shallow, than other Miyazaki but films. Compa- no, but it's not sh- not in the word like shallow means like I'm meaning, hollow, like, empty. Yeah, it just it seems like it. It doesn't. It, the ending doesn't seem to deserve the, the the film itself doesn't deserve that ending is what I'm thinking in my head. I, I, I don't know. You're, you're talking to a guy who happened to have read the novella uh, and, and who enjoyed the um, the difficulty that I think Hal was facing on his personal journey when, when it, something, I, you know, we look at it as trivial almost. Oh, Hal got his heart back. But I, to me, that is a, a very big thing. Uh, the difficulty with which. You know how his heart was returned, and uh, and and how the curse was affected by that. To me, was was a larger scale. Okay, Ooh, one of the big punches. Yeah, I feel like I'm watching a boxing match. <laughs> I love it when we have discussions like this. Oh my oh. god, we haven't had one in forever. Yeah, it's always the last one we had was the fact me and Tyler arguing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's constantly just food animes and and my anime corner lately because that's all Cole watches. <laughs> the last one I watched from start to finish. Last two. No, um, the other one was like five years ago. Oh, okay. Anyways, Food Wars <laughs> is pretty, pretty fantastic. So it is. Yeah, Wait, has everybody food. seen this but me? I yeah. guess so. Wow. God, watch it, and you'll you'll how just is, you'll want to eat all the time. Just all the yeah. Food. How have you not just, seen that? I don't know. Probably the <laughs> based on what Tyler just said, there is probably the only reason why I've maintained this waistline. <laughs> I remember watching that and I just constantly wanted to eat. I was like, oh, that rice looks delicious. I'm going to go make some rice right now. And then I was eating rice and then watching them make their food. And it's just like, I look at my food and it's like, it's probably not as good as what they're eating, but it's food and it's it's in me right now. So, yeah. Satisfactory. 
What about you, Greg? What's uh, how do you interpret this question? I guess. My God, I have a battery to go through. Oh, love it. Anime regrets. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'll start with the easy one. Uh, this is really low hanging fruit. Uh, Evangelion. Hmm. Really? Okay. Uh, okay. I regret watching the last three episodes of the original series. Okay, I get that. I can get just, that. Just turn it off. Don't even bother with that metaphysical crap. Uh, you know, like I've had drug trips that were less colorful. Uh, so, so Evangelion, yeah, the last three episodes, guys, just go ahead and watch up to episode 24 and call it a day. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, really? Yeah, I, uh, I regret watching that because now I can't ever stop comparing the two series. Oh, yeah, oh no, I get okay. That. Yes, I understand. Like, I mean, it, and, and, and it polarized a large amount of the community. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got that? You're both fans, but you know, you might actually, you might. It's like the North meets the South. We both love America, but uh, it's two different types. Yeah, oh, I like them both. They're good. I, I, now, I'm not to say they're not. They're not both it's, good it's, quality. I'm just saying that uh, it's you know, just I was fine with just the first. It's interesting how it happened. Yeah, because like the first one just caught up to the mangas, and so they just finished it their own story. And then Brotherhood is like actual of the mangas, so it just like copies it that way. So. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I All do right, like. Let's, uh, let's dip like into the, obscurity here for a second. Oh. Uh, I am, as uh, many people don't know, a big old shoujo fan. Hmm. So I'm not surprised uh, by this. I watch not all that many shonen. I me I likes me some good old stories and a, and a good cry. Get me some air or some canon any day of the week. On this one, Saikano. Almost nobody's oh. seen it. Uh, oh, dude, oh, oh, dude, I hear the groan. Dude. We have a winner. Yeah. Oh, my God. High school. Yeah. Pain. Tears. Pain. Tears. Right there at the very end, right? Yep. Oh, God. Everything's fine. It's, it's, it's right there. Oh. Bam. They just nail you with it. Oh. Everyone's dead. Existence is not existence. It's all meaningless. Go to hell. Thanks, Saikano. Psychono. Yeah. How do you spell uh, that? Uh, S-A-I-K-A-N-O. A-N-O. Okay, yeah, that, that was it. Psychono. Yeah. 13 episodes in uh, the culmination of yanking my heart from my chest. Kalima style. Huh. Never heard of that one. The manga ran longer, and it got turned... I think that was an OVA series that ran for 13 episodes. Um, and both of them will leave you as just a mess on the floor. For some reason, I know a lot of people that have seen the live-action movie, which does a horrible <laughs> job of representing anything. Oh, no, they went TV. for uh, 13 episodes, and then there was two OVAs. Oh, okay. So, it wasn't an OVA series then. Okay. Yeah, it came out in Sentai Filmworks. Did it in North America. Ah, Definitely, definitely worth a watch. Uh, uh, you, you might, you might regret it. You've been warned. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tissues so a requirement. Gotta, <laughs> yes, he is right. That, that that man is correct. So I've got another one. This one's a newer one. Uh, this one I I regret watching because it was so good, and it was the first time that had happened in a long time. I, you know, I don't know about you guys. Uh, as a longtime anime fan, it has occurred to me that I am less thrilled by the anime that I'm watching. I, I think, you know, we're just used to it now. 
Yeah. yeah. Anybody I else have that? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, we, I we've still, had that I still discussion. find ones that enjoy, but then there's ones that just kind of pop up that are, yeah, they're just kind of like these are the themed ones of like the animes you watch for this season of like the winter or summer, and they're the ones just watch for that because those are the really good ones. And like, yeah, yeah, you look at you look at your lists, you know, the top tens of the year, and then you give them a watch, and you go, oh, that was great. But uh, but uh, you know, in the past, I would I would totally just be like, oh my god, I can't wait to watch the next episode. I would just be enthralled by it by certain series and last summer i landed on gargantia oh i watched Anybody? that oh that was good right 13 yeah. episodes I'm, I'm a fan of the miniseries as an adult i'm a fan of the miniseries i don't have that much time to sit down and focus 13 episodes i'm in and out i can watch it in a whole afternoon or, or a couple of evenings i regret watching gargantia because it was so damn good <laughs> yeah, I just wanted more like a like a tasty, tasty heroin. I really liked how they did that one where they had like a uh, they had a language barrier and they had to figure that stuff out. And yes, multiple angles of... on that one and the philosophy. You had the thinking man. Yeah. So right, that, it... that the whole thing is left with uh, how do you know they just they determined their outcome for it. They added some little touches for uh, uh, character development for personal growth on, on the main character. Uh, little shojo touches in there, right? Uh, and then they put a heaping pile of philosophy in there. Yeah, yeah. And and then they had that kind of plot twist at the end, I guess. Right. That's that's and that's that's where it kind of it delves into. Uh, it could polarize people. You know, do you do you feel that we should have followed this method, or or do you disagree? Yeah. So. Yeah. Without getting in any uh, spoilers, because that one is definitely a spoilable anime. So. Yeah, well, because it, 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 the way you watch it is like they're they're coming from two different angles, and so like the way they live their life is because they're always kind of at war, and then there's the other people, and it's just yeah, it's just different. And who knows? Who knows who's right? Because it from the sounds of it, it sounds like some people are just being withheld information too. Because right, and from a scientific standpoint, you know, uh, they're both right. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just a measure of uh, your decision making process at the end of that. Uh, so my last one is a bit of an odd one. It's a bit of an older anime. Uh, it's one of my personal favorite shoujo because of its ridiculousness. Uh, and it is called Midori Days. Anybody? Oh, yes, yes, yes. On my shelf. Got a winner. There we go. There's All right. So Midori yes. Days is uh, probably the most bizarre anime I own. Robert, if you own anything weirder, I don't want to talk about it on the air. Uh, <laughs> we will talk <laughs> elsewhere then. Midori Days is a 13-episode show, Joe, where a young uh, high school punk wakes up one morning to find that his his demon right hand has turned into a sentient female torso. Hmm. That's yep. about the response I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Just just Google. <laughs> trust no, the first page is worth it <laughs> I'm looking at it and it's just like I don't What's know it man it's, it's Japan, it's anime it's called Midori Days <laughs> it's kind of what you expect yeah. sure. anime has gotten my, very my regret for Midori Days uh, my regret for Midori Days goes back to every in-depth conversation I've ever had about the, the show while trying to explain it to people <laughs> oh god yes I mean, just when they finally start to wrap their head around it, they Im- immediately start discussing, uh, oh, so he gives himself a great hand job, whatever it is, you know, uh, take your, your sexual joke, 
uh, and and throw it at the wall. The, the, take a dart and just chuck it. Uh, you're going to hit one of them. Every conversation I've had to have about Midori Days, with it sitting on my shelf, every party has always degraded into a bit of the ludicrous. Midori's not that kind of girl, guys. She's just mm. not. Right, you know. Robert's with me, but uh, but but we're both obviously um, shoujo weebs at heart. I'm not so that is my that's my extensive list. So so I've got uh, I've got your your Evangelion. Don't watch the last three episodes. Full Metal Brotherhood. Uh, just stick to the one where they blow that little dog up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like Brotherhood though because I like I like sloth. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. Hmm. All right, okay. who's, who's got the the la- who's coming in cleanup? <laughs> okay, so we got Cole's got his. Um, Tyler, I'll go for mine. I'll go. I'll go next. Because uh-huh. uh, mine are like I get that. Um, there, there's the taking the sad animes that you regret finishing because they've got a sad end, um, which I have one of. Um, I've got kind of a yeah. I've got a, both spectrums of like animes I watched all the way through because. I thought they would get good eventually, and they just didn't. Um, or there's the animes that I finished and was very sad because they had a very sad plot twist at the end or something that made me cry and go, I, I, I want to turn back time and, and not have to deal with this pain that's in my heart and soul right now. Um, one is going to be... I, I've already talked about Angel Beats before. Mm-hmm. And like how the ending of that is and everything they do and... So that's that's one like, but I don't know. I'm not gonna say I regret finishing that one because I liked, like I understand the ending, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but it, it definitely pulls at your heartstrings a little bit because it's, I, it it almost feels like a cop out, but I'm not sure. Uh, did anyone else watch Angel Beats I, at all? I, I'm going to withhold my opinion on that one because I'm very polarized or I'm very opinionated on the ending and I can't I can't talk about it without spoiling it because uh, I still do recommend that people watch it. Like, were you for, are you for or against the ending? Oh, totally against against. OK, yeah. See, absolutely against. Yeah. See, so that that's that's an example of that one. Like, it kind of feels cop outy. Um, it feels like it made it go full circle again. Like that's exactly what it is. It just went full circle and it's just like, okay, well then it just it's just this endless loop that starts over. And yeah. so I don't know. But it was it was a good ride. I really, I really liked it. Uh, it had yeah. a good balance of like action and sad parts and uh coming to terms with yourself and um what other ones I'm gonna say is Captain Earth mm. is I watched all the way through and I don't know. Maybe I'm just not into mechs or something. Ah, uh, that's that's not a good example of mech. I'm just gonna say that right yeah. now. Like, no, that I don't and, know. Um, what what was the other one? Um, kind of kind of a similar art style. Was that Star Driver? <clears throat> Did you ever watch that one? Star Driver. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Wasn't it? Is like the fabulous guy. Yeah, yeah, the Galactic Pretty Boy. Yeah, yeah. I never watched that one. Don't. Um, okay. <laughs> so. Ringing endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it just it's ones like that where I watched all the way. I was like hoping it would kind of get better, and it just it never really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Like it just kind of felt like an an anime, but it's not really my kind of anime that I watch. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess the last one will be 
I'm gonna say this might I might get some hate, but uh my neighbor Totoro. Which I regret watching. Because I feel like it's not really aimed at me. It doesn't even feel like the classic uh, like uh coming of age movie that Studio Ghibli's does. It just kinda there are kids and then the neighbor Totoro, like the spirit comes out and then they kinda do some things and then that's kind of it, and then nothing really. I didn't. Re- I didn't feel like I learned anything, or or progressed with the characters, or had any character development. Really, it just yeah. kind of. And considering how people have looked at that film wait, later, and realized exactly what it could mean. Yeah, there's the concept that like that character is like they those characters are actually dead, and he's like the spirit of death, and he's grabbing them, and but that's that's all. I don't know. That's not in the movie. Like it, it, that's only just theories, really. Yeah, that's all theory, though. So you can't say, "Hey, that's what this is." It's just it's it's theory. So exactly. I don't know. What what are you, what are you guys' opinions of my neighbor Totoro? I'm indifferent. It was one of the first. It was the first Studio Ghibli movie I ever watched. But it's it was very confusing to me at the time because I was so young. So I never got it. I haven't watched it since. So. Rob, Greg, yeah, I, I don't know. In, in my case, with that one, just like with Cole, I did see that at a very young age. I was maybe five or six years old. I mean, that that played on Disney Channel for God's sakes. Uh, that was kind of a weird one back when that was more of a premium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then watching it back later, I don't know. I I had a hard time getting into that one. I think because I had seen it as a youth and trying to watch it back, and it was just like what the entire time I'm just thinking to myself. God, what was I thinking while I was watching this as a kid? What, yeah. what, did, I, did I get I think, any uh, of this? I think I'm on the opposite. Really? Okay. Well, uh, I think I, I'm a little bit older than all of you guys, and so I think by the time I saw Totoro, I Greg. had already seen. Yeah. Maybe not. Rob might be older than you. Only at heart. He's definitely younger at so. heart than me. No, no, you're you're no, older no, than I'm, me. I'm 30, you're older than me in person. I'm 35. But, yeah. 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 No, I like. Oh, I wanted I wanted Rob to feel older. <laughs> yeah. See, I oh, oh, geez. I mean, he is a grandpa. His pants are definitely higher than mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's definitely true. Yeah, not gonna lie about that. I <laughs> don't worry. I'm getting my social security checks. <laughs> yeah, he tends to advocate safety, whereas I tend to issue it. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, well, I mean, it's like when you were going and leaving town last weekend. I mean, what did I go and write to you on Facebook? You know. Just remember, um, yeah, yeah, do everything I wouldn't do. (laughs) I think I might have. I smuggled drugs into Canada and I smuggled drugs into the United States. I I am cutting that out. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, he's not serious. Totally not serious. Wink, wink. (laughs) And hard cut. So uh, uh, with with Totoro, though, so the thing about Totoro, I had already seen Mononoke. Uh, I had already seen you know, all of uh, Ghost in the Shell, a lot heavy-duty, hardcore anime. So I think I was maybe in my maybe mid-20s by the time I saw Totoro. See, no, that's that's where I was, too. Like, I, I remember watching, like, I Totoro was one of the ones I hadn't watched, and so I, like, I watched all the Studio Ghibli's in, like, one go. Because I remember watching some, oh. like, Kiki's and Spirited Away, and I was just like, there's a bunch of others, so I'm just going to watch them all at once. And so Totoro was on that list, and I watched it when I was kind of mid-20s. Did um, you do it in order? 
Yes. Wow. So that's impressive. Yeah, that's a good call. So and like I watched it and compared to all the other ones, it just it didn't fit. Like it, it didn't. Uh, I, I just never really felt like it had like the kind of whole lesson to learn and going on an adventure like all the other ones did. So, um, I, I, yeah, go talk, say say what you where think about was, it. Uh, where was um, my neighbor Totoro in comparison to the rest? Like in release time. That's a good. That's a good question. Uh, wasn't that right after Castle in the Sky? Like a couple of years after that. I think so. It's the like Kiki's. Uh, I think it's after Poker Porcaroso. Yeah. Um, I think it goes. It's somewhere really close to Kiki's and Spirited Away, and Howl's Moving Castle. But I think it's after. Uh, Castle in the Sky. Definitely after Castle in the Sky. Yeah, because that was like 87, if I remember correctly. And I want to say Totoro was like 1990 or something like that. And then wasn't it 92 when Kiki came out? And yeah, I, I, got you right I hope here. somebody's Googling so it. Yeah, to- Totoro was 88, followed immediately by Kiki in 89. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, those chunks are all really close together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, he started off with... Uh, I mean, his, his kind of big run was really Nausicaa and then Castle in the Sky, then Totoro, and then Kiki. Mm-hmm. When is Porco Rosso? 92. Oh, wow. I was way off with Porco yeah. Rosso. Yeah, I thought that was older, huh? Yeah, but no, yeah, they're all really close together. And yeah. so, like, you watch all those movies, they're all pretty close in the same mindset as, as all of them. But, it's, yeah, it's like Totoro just kind of didn't really fit with the rest of the movies when I watched it. So, yeah, Greg, uh, you like it. So tell me what your thoughts on it were. Uh, like is a relative term. I, I appreciate all of Hayao's less action-oriented work. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it definitely doesn't have any more... It, it, I think Totoro probably has less or uh, an equal amount of staying power to some of his works, like uh, Porco Rosso... Uh, maybe Ponyo, I might put put in that. Yeah. Um, just the I I almost almost call them the um the the kids' stories of his work. Yeah. Um, no. See that that's it, it just yeah. That's that's the thing is like, I I know it look it's good and like I thought if uh it's I feel like I just wasn't the target audience for that. Like I'm I'm not supposed to be the target audience for any of them really. Or I guess the target audience is everyone because it's coming of age and everyone can relate to that. But Totoro just didn't really feel like coming of age. It was just kind of more geared towards just kids entertainment of like, Hey, this, this is a little story. It's not really teaching me anything or anything like that. And so like, I, I can appreciate it. And it's, it's a movie that people can uh, be comfortable with and watch, but it's just, it never grabbed me. So like I watched the whole way through and that's kind of what I regret is like, I watched it and it just never, took hold of me like the other ones do. So. Yeah. I think a lot of Totoro's uh, strength uh, rests in the iconic imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. visually, I mean, that was everybody one of the most expressive. Yeah. 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 Everybody recognizes Cat Buzz. Yep. Yeah. Or the stop sign scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like the the character himself, or like the leaf hat. It's like, yeah, there is a lot of things that you can just pull from that uh, movie. Uh, what 
Man, I am wearing a Studio Ghibli shirt right now. <laughs> it's the one with all like the chibi characters from like all the movies. So here's like Kiki, here's Spirited Away, here's Ponyo, there's Mononoke, there's Howl, and then there's um, Totoro. You'll have to send me a picture of that shirt for the YouTube feed. Yeah, and for those just tuning in, that's the weeb trash portion of our show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, um, I, I, I like animes and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, before, we, uh, before we go and get on to my very short contribution to this, because um, literally everything I was going to talk about has been covered here, uh, I have to go and ask, uh, just maybe as a subject of uh, future interest, but uh, what, what's everybody's favorite uh, Miyazaki film? Just, uh, well, I should say Studio Ghibli film specifically. I'll go with Howl's Moving Castle for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go with Porco Rosso. Mm-hmm. Okay. Greg? Uh, I'm going to second the Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm saying Castle in the Sky. So we actually do have quite a bit of diversity here. All right. It's kind of curious about that. Hmm. All right. So does that bring us to the end of your uh, anime corner, Tyler? Yeah, it does. Uh, well, does Rob have anything to say? I, I, I will go and contribute a little here, and it's okay. going to get burned through real quick, unless I go and, uh, well, actually, I know I'm going to go and get killed for this later when somebody listens to this, but uh, nobody <laughs> here, I think, is going to kill me over this. Um, okay, so, because mostly Greg went and stole all my stuff, and then Tyler went and stole <laughs> the only backup one I had, uh, I'm reaching a little bit here. I'm reaching, and I'm going to say... Um, the Slayers anime series. Um, not the first season in particular, because that's now been broken up into five different seasons, but the first season, the one just titled The Slayers, was so well produced and well put together. It was a ton of fun. Then Slayers Next went and came around, and they introduced some really fun characters, but the writing clearly wasn't as strong and then Slayer's Try came out, and as far as I'm concerned, just ruined the entire franchise. Like, I'm, I'm going to stand by that. Season 3, I understand why that series just was left for dead for, like, 15 years. Because um, that was a series that just ran too long. It ruined itself. It really did. Mm. Then you had uh, Slayer's R Evolution, and then Evolution R. I have no idea what the hell was up with the names, which was kind of a rebooted sequel to uh, Slayer's Try that came out like 15 years later. And visually, it's great. They did a nice job of updating all the character designs over to digital animation versus the traditional hand-drawn the original one was being done with. Um, The characters were all great, both for the Japanese as well as the English adaptations. They got most of the voice cast back together and everything was very nice there, but then the writing was just recycling a bunch of used points from the first two seasons. So, I don't know. I guess I regret becoming a Slayers fan, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that, because I, I have enjoyed what I've watched, but after the first season, every other season finale that when came after that, where it could have ended, just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I kept coming back to it, because I... I am Gowry Gavriel. I am that dumb. Man, there's. I feel like there's another anime that I watched where it was like. Well, at least you can fit it. Yeah. Where it just had a bunch of going on for story. And like, I'm always a sucker for um, 
story, I guess, because like I like I like stories. So yeah. when even if it's a bad anime, if it's if there's other chunks of it, I just kind of want to complete it so that yeah. I know the whole story. I know the feeling. Well, and that that was me with Slayers is that I just wanted to see, OK, something new came out. Well, I got to see if they redeem it, how it ends, because a lot of times the in-between story stuff was good. It was just, oh, so this guy that was a bad guy this entire time, but showed tendencies towards being a good guy. No, nope, he's still a bad guy. Oh, he's coming back. He's going to. No, he's still a bad guy. Oh, he's he's a bad guy. OK, he's going to be. a Wait, he just helped. Uh. Oh, that shirt. OK. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I know what Tyler's shirt looks like. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, I got nothing. So, um, hmm. Well, okay. This is, this is a very interesting, uh, anime corner, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, uh, a, lot of a, lot of, a lot of times it's normally me talking about some kind of anime and then Rob having something and then Cole just talking about food animes. <laughs> So I'm glad you're here, Greg, because you got animes. You know how to talk about stuff. It's good. It's some good glad talks. I could be here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, now on to Cole's gaming table. Yep, on to my oh, gaming I table. Oh, I just saw the next pick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a theme song. I don't have a theme song. Um, Still, uh, I'm probably not going to have a theme song until season two, which will occur start in about a cu- couple weeks. Whoop, I just hit my mic. You make no promises. Um, I make no promises. <laughs> <laughs> he better or he's off the damn podcast that he's hosting. <laughs> Anyways, though, um, this week on Cole's Gaming Table, we are talking about the cr- um, a couple announcements from uh, from Microsoft. Um, first off, we're going to talk about uh, the cross-networking slash platform gaming. Um, so... Earlier, I think it was two or three days ago, um, I have the article sitting in in the thing if you guys want to click on that, but it, um, Xbox introduces cross-network play for the first time. Now, at the same time, this is nothing new. Um, it, it's kind of misleading because uh, Xbox has been talking about uh, cross-network play before, like, and with, like, for example, like last week we were talking about... Um, Fable Legends, and that was going to be a cross-platform game. It was going to be cross-platform with PC. Mm-hmm. But this time they're talking about it for the first time. Uh, Microsoft announced that games using Xbox Live will now support cross-network play, meaning players on Xbox can play online with those that with the same game on PS4, for example, or PlayStation or uh, or PC. One of the first games to take advantage of this change will be Rocket League. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, it's, it's all right now it's announcement that it's going to be possible. It still has to do with, um, the, um, uh, published, not publishers. Yeah. Yeah, The, the designers, the designers, essentially it it would be the studios themselves. Um, cause they're the ones that get to choose if they're going to take advantage of that particular, cause they need a certain programmings to be added for that to work. Um, it is a large, very large step forward for Microsoft, um, because their policies before have actually blocked Xbox One's Rocket League players from playing with those on other networks purposefully like that. Like, and now they're talking about this, how they're going to be talking about the crossover. Um, 
they're also say they haven't said that like like Sony hasn't said anything about them being. I was like, oh yeah, we'll be totally jumping to this. Uh, Microsoft is kind of just like left the door open, saying you yeah. could. Yeah. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I'm looking at you, Sony. Yeah, they kind of did it open handed, saying like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna allow this. Now it's up to these other guys to agree with us, and so it's gonna make. Microsoft look like the good guys, and if the other guys say no, then they're going to look like bad guys. Yeah, because I, is this this is something that people really want? I guess. Yeah. Well, of course. Why? Why wouldn't we? We all want to play games together, right? Yeah. yeah. We want to connect to the communities that we play with. But here's also I've talked with my roommates about this as well. Just kind of bring it up in conversation so I can have something to talk about. And a lot of people are also. This could also be a bad thing because when it connections with stuff with PlayStation, there's a uh, well, not PlayStation, but PC itself, um, is the fact that a lot there was. I remember something about this in the back in before, but PC would essentially take over the quality of it because of the fact that they can do more with a PC than they can with an Xbox. Like the PC allows for more chances to add game enhancers that aren't so enhancing for other people. Translation, I'm talking about hacking. I mean, are are we really going to, like, be that concerned? I mean, there's always going to be somebody cheating. Oh, totally. I'm not saying that that would be, like, oh, it's going to be the, oh, God, downfall. But it's also the fact that a lot of people were, like, that people that on, like, with a mouse and keyboard, for example, can do things quicker and can do things a lot easier than someone with a, with a, with a, um, a gamepad. Well, I mean, we're talking about games. That, I mean, this might be a, a more game-specific situation. Like, Call of Duty might not see people from PCs playing. We, we shouldn't force people to suffer a disadvantage. Oh, totally. Um, there's actually has been people saying that there, there are choices where you can only, like, you with this coming out, is that is like if you only want to play with people on Xbox, you can uh, check, like, make a, a no, uh, like yeah. a, a thing in your thing saying, I only want to play with people on Xbox. Yeah. See, that makes the thing. Like, with computer, um, like, when I play GTA, I tend to play with a controller than I do a mouse and keyboard. Uh, so, that kind of happens... Yeah. In that, and it shows like who's playing with what. It'll be like these people are playing with mouse and keyboard. These people are playing with controllers. It was like that on like Mario Kart Wii, um, where you could either use the steering wheel or you could use a controller, and you could kind of tell who's better at it or not because like there are advantages and disadvantages to the different kinds of controllers and situations you have set up. So you could say, "Hey, I only only want to." Like, yeah, with Xbox, since it's Xbox kind of controlled right now, it's like, okay, you could only play with Xbox people or you could play with other people. You have the choice. Um, you could probably have that choice with other uh, other systems as well. It's like, I'm going to play. It also kind of defines it as, are you going to kind of play casually with other people? Like maybe your buddy has a game on Xbox, you have it on computer, and you can. that means you can play with each other. You don't have to buy another game for a system which is very expensive because I'd hate have to like, I don't have an Xbox right now and I got a bunch of friends who play Xbox and it'd be nice to be like, okay, well I'm just going to play on my computer and you can play your game on your Xbox and we can still play with each other. And you wouldn't have to go out and buy a brand new 300, $400 system just to go play with a couple of friends. Or they wouldn't have to like, like they have computers or they wouldn't have to like buy a better computer to play the said game on a, computer that could handle it i think and that's then, a dig at you uh robert 
Oh yeah, it probably yep. is. Yeah, no, I'll 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 go and take the hit on that one. I was like, right um, now, I've yeah. got GTA for my computer, and Cole's got it for his Xbox One. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't really play with each other on that. Yeah. Well, and you know, just to be fair, in this particular circumstance, I also have GTA on my PC. Unfortunately, I don't have an operating system that can play it. That's more my issue right now. Which is funny because the only person I play with now is like Paul, who also had that same problem. And yeah. so he just bought a new computer and now he's got a really nice computer and can play all sorts of games. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> that was going to be uh, rectified uh, about a month ago when I uh, got my tax return and then I found out I'm in a whole different tax bracket, which basically means I'm shit. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like something like that. Like, so you don't have to like decide. That was always always the console war thing to decide which console to get. That's why I first got a 360 instead of a like I had a PS2, but instead of going to a PS3, I went to a 360 because that's the game console all my friends were on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. I was playing games with each other, and then that slowly petered off, and I found I was no longer playing very many multiplayer games anymore and so then i switched to ps4 just for better gameplay and i still haven't gotten an xbox one even though that's what my friends are kind of on but i do have a computer and so now i if i'm playing with someone i'm normally playing on computer because i know everyone's got a computer so you don't have that console war problems of saying oh i got a ps4 i got an xbox one we can't really play games together where this kind of fixes that i guess so i don't know if that's a smart move business-wise for them or not. Well, because... I... Finish your thought. I've got something to say after that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just... That's an open-ended because it could be many possibilities of either it does work or it doesn't work. They either gain sales or it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. So you, you go, go, go say your words. Okay, so this this is one that when I initially read it, I got really excited by it. And then I ended up going and listening to some market analysts talking about this uh, decision right here. Because for anybody that's not aware of what's going on with Microsoft and their gaming division in particular, there's a lot of problems going on right now. They've a fired... lot is an understatement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. They're crashing and burning right now. It's not that they don't have games that people want to play. It's not even that the Xbox One is selling poorly. It's not that PC gamers have almost exclusively switched over to Steam, which is not directly identified with Windows itself. I mean, that's its main running platform, but it's not anything that Microsoft's making any money off of in the process. Yeah. They made a big push a couple of years ago with this Games for Windows uh, marketing, which, for anybody that's not aware, was basically this design that, okay, we're going to try to go and have cross-network compatibility between our Games for Windows, which, once again, is not Steam. <laughs> um, that's their PC catalog. Uh, games for Xbox One. And at one time, they were talking about Games for Xbox 360, but they just could never quite get that one working. So they pretty much given up on that at this point. Mm-hmm. That's on where you went and saw them making the, 
oh, well, now your Xbox One is backwards compatible with your Xbox 360 titles. And everyone went, yay, and then realized that it was publisher-based and that there's only actually a couple of titles that do that, and most of them are just Xbox Live arcade titles that were really easy to port over with an emulator. Exactly. Um, This is a marketing move. I hate to go and say that because I really want this to be a thing. Like, that's always been something that's driven me nuts, whether you're playing Battle, uh, Battlefront on the Xbox One or the PS4 uh, or even the PC in that one's case because it's not a traditional shooter. That, to me, is like everybody should be able to play together. I'm going to kind of ignore the FPS argument of, you know, PC players have faster reaction times because of the mouse and keyboard, which is true. Uh, but there's also some limitations with that when it comes to movement that uh, sometimes a little bit better on a controller because you've got that D-pad support on there that you don't have otherwise. Um, but going beyond that, this is just a really smart marketing move that's going to probably end up backfiring in their faces the same way the backwards compatibility argument did with the Xbox uh, One with the Xbox 360 stuff. Because they're saying, oh yeah, we're going to allow this to happen. And then the story is just going to go away. I hate to say this because... Sony's not going to want to open themselves up to that because that means they need to make their servers available to other companies to go and access their stuff through it. And a couple of years ago, let's remember, Microsoft got in some hot water for going and hacking the PlayStation network, and then Sony got in trouble for doing the same thing to them a couple of months later. Things like that, nobody's going to want to happen. And especially with Steam players, those guys are actually left out in the cold with the way they were making the argument about this. Reading the press release, they're just talking about games uh, games with Windows. There's a question as to whether or not Steam would even be part of all of that. Would they be given access? Because uh, Steam, with the way that they go and function on I their thought, server um, I, I thought um, because they're, cause they specifically say um, Rocket League. Like, isn't that put don't, – don't you have that through Steam as well? You can get it through Steam, but it's also available through the Windows Store as well. Mm. How much yes. of this do you think is driven by esports? I think that's probably a big portion of it. I think the other thing as well is just trying to drive some positive buzz to get the Xbox One selling better. Because right now, there's been a couple of articles that have been released recently, and this is more of a business insider thing rather than being a uh, gamer deal. But Microsoft and their store right now sounds like it's pretty well broken with their purchase catalog and index uh, indexing system a lot of customers that have upgraded to windows 10 from previous uh windows 7 and windows 8 pcs are having a hard time logging into the windows uh store at all mm. and it's really alienating a lot of customers right now most of those sales are being taken away from microsoft and going directly to whoever the software publishers website is or services like steam instead they need to go and get some money going into their gaming division or you're just going to see it I hate to go and say this, but there's a lot of speculation that you've got maybe three more years left of Microsoft as a major gaming leader before they just become a publisher. And I got to be honest, it's kind of looking that way right now. Yeah, so as much as people love, well. yeah, as much as people love their Xbox 360s, and as much as people love their Xbox Ones, and as much as people, well, okay, nobody really loves the games for Windows system. Everybody's using Steam. If you're on the PC, I'm gonna go yeah. and just leave that one dead. Um, Remember, the original Xbox only paid itself off about three years ago. The Xbox 360, they own a ton of debt on that. They own a ton of debt uh, on the Xbox One and whatever really? they're working on now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, look at it. They've, they, it took them the almost, consoles themselves almost, are always supposed to be operated at a heavy loss. I mean, that's not yeah. where you make your margins on the product. Uh, yeah, but you go and look at, say, uh, Nintendo, for example. 
yeah, they've had bad quarters and whatnot, but their consoles are always paid for before the next one comes out. Yeah, but Sony, they've also operated their own business entirely different. They do, yep. but also Sony, but Sony has never had an issue. The PS2 paid for itself within the first year of its release. And uh, they're PS3 consumer goods. Like yeah. they, they, they're consumer electronics manufacturers. So exactly. That's different. Yeah. Like Microsoft's okay. not, a, until recently, Microsoft wasn't a hardware manufacturer in any way, shape, ah. or form. I see where you're coming from now. Okay, yes, definitely. There's a large factor that comes along with that. I mean, the, the measure the measure is is that there's the, there's it's unlikely that the that a set top box, a some kind of delivery device for your living room is going to stop being. It's unlikely it's going to stop being in in your living room from Microsoft in any time soon. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's obvious that it's not going to be a dedicated gaming device. I mean, we're that's this is just a step in the right direction. We, Microsoft tried to eliminate you know discs that was a huge step in the right direction that everybody freaked out about yep oh yeah you know, this, this is just a measure of everybody using equal platforms you simply provide your system your your delivery and, and everybody just picks one we all play together we're all in the same pool anyway yeah no that's just it and i do think you will eventually see what microsoft has made the argument for happen but it'll probably be more at the, de- or, well, I shouldn't say probably, it will be at the developer level. Mm-hmm. If EA decides, because EA runs all of their multiplayer games on their own servers, uh, that stuff, the only thing they use for Sony or Microsoft is just the bypass to go and access the actual consoles themselves. They maintain all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll see a company like that make this happen. Microsoft making a statement like that, yeah, generates a lot of good press for them, but... They're ultimately not the ones that are doing any of this stuff, unless they're going to pay companies to make it available to these other platforms, which would be a really bad financial mistake. Oh, great. You're just not going to see it come out of them. Probably not. Yeah. and I, I don't know. Able- like, I'm not convinced it's a, a financial mistake. Well, if, if nobody else is going to buy into it, you know, if Sony goes and says, eh, now we're, we're just not going to do this, I, I don't know. And they very well that. may. Yeah. They very well may. And, then, and in the future, Microsoft can say, look, we tried to do it before. We're going to try to do it again. Yeah, you know, like your reason. It's silly. It's it's just uh, companies that are trying to do business the way we did business in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's kind of funny seeing it out of Microsoft though, because do you guys remember the game Shadowrun that came out in two thousand seven? Uh, mm-hmm. The game, which type? Of, which one? The tabletop version? Yeah. Or, no, I no, should... the, <laughs> the uh, Xbox three hundred and sixty and PC game. Yes, yeah. I did hear about that. Okay, the bad one. That's, that's where. One that that's out. what. Yeah. 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 So that one made the argument. Oh, play with Xbox three hundred and sixty players. But you know what ended up happening within a couple of months of the game coming out? They ended up going and discontinuing that cross-platform service on there because they couldn't maintain it regularly. And that was a Microsoft Studios title, no less. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting that this company is making this argument now when they were the ones that tried to do this originally and ended up backing away from it and without even telling anybody, just went and disconnected the services. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that had to do with the fact the Xbox 360 version just tanked sales-wise, but... Still kind of interesting. And it may not have been prepared. No. Yeah, no, that's just it. Technology could have been before its time. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I See, definitely think that's part of it. Yeah. The, the, there's a big thing is like, this is what we want. And like, people always talk about what we want, but it's like, whatever really sticks. Yeah. Because just because people say they want something doesn't mean they're going to use it and have it stick and sh- uh, stick around. Because we've had this conversation about like TV shows that have died off because. Um, people said they want them, and then what happens is they do they air them, they give the people what they want, and then the people don't really um, take the time to do with them. Yeah, they don't follow up on the 
the demands they were making whereas and then these these all these things just kind of die away it's because people can be very fickle i guess um okay. and so like with with uh steam how that kind of worked is like it was there wasn't really an option where it was just drm it just showed up it was there and then so everyone had it no matter what people complained about it they hated it uh but uh valve stuck to their guns of what it was and then they just added to it and then it's those growing pains so it's basically people don't like change um they don't really know what they want they can say they want it and then they can complain about it but it's got to be like a a hard sell of like the a parent taking over and saying no i get it if you you either stick with it or you don't and it's not up to them they just got to kind of push it as much as possible and then it's going to be in the long run it's going to pay off Mm -hmm. but businesses don't like looking at things like that they see either it's making money or it's not and they don't really plan for that long run um actually that's starting to happen a lot more though i should say because you got the whole uh disney and like marvel and that whole aspect like doing uh, 10 years ago movies weren't like that they weren't planning the long run they're trying a short game they make one movie either it's successful or it's not and then they, and if it was successful they'd progress from there yeah they'd make maybe two sequels and kind of milk it from there they wouldn't plan far ahead and hope that it and plan 15 movies yeah yeah, yeah. so who knows maybe this is like a new business style of like they're just gonna stick to it and go okay this is what we want to do and then it's open and it'll always will be an option and then either it'll stick or it'll be kind of fat and people will forget about it. But mm-hmm. like, it would be really cool. It's, it's unlikely. It like, is very. Why, why would we're not going to go away? We're not going to go back towards having in these independent fighting consoles where you have to pick these platforms. It's it's just we're going to change as we go forward. I mean, you, you're probably going to pay one company or the other, but you're probably well, paying for the same piece. It's software. It, it matters where the money is. Like if that, there's, but. The, like if there's a definite, uh, I mean, I mean, this really <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Okay. So if there's a definite show in like in sales where there's more money in something than there is another, then they're going to go to the, cause like bottom line, end of the day, they're a business and they need to make profit. So if they do something that makes more profit than something else, then they're going to go that way. So if this, uh, cross-platform thing makes things more profitable for them, then they're going to do it. And, like, actually, I think it will because they're sort of banking on the PC, Xbox One console. Because So, therefore, this will make Microsoft um, games, like, through Microsoft Store, more appealing if you can buy them on your computer that way and play them with people on Xbox. And so it'll try and push that market. And so I guess they will try to stick with that. And then the bonuses of anyone who also buys into it will also have cross-platform games across PS4 or Xbox One. So, yeah. So I think one thing that you might look at here, Tyler, uh, in this situation, we're also we're talking about is we're talking about the company's profitability for the number of people using their service. And banking on that being a draw for your service, that we have such and such million people 
people playing on Xbox or such and such million people playing on our PlayStation 4s. So that when you go into that environment, you're paying the company whatever $54 for their Xbox Live or their PlayStation Plus. What this type of maneuver changes is, is that people will no longer go to a service simply for numbers. They will go to the service because of the customer service uh, and, and product that are being offered by the company. So, we're, I mean, a future, company, future customers aren't going to be drawn to the service simply because there's enough people to play with. Uh, and to me, and I don't know, maybe I'm progressive, but to me, it's silly. If, if we're all playing Call of Duty, why are we not playing Call of Duty together? I don't want to have, like you said... I don't want to have to choose an Xbox. Uh, all, everybody choose an Xbox or everybody choose a PlayStation. I'm going to go towards the company that allows me the opportunity to play all of them with all of my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if Microsoft is willing to do that, uh, they're going to get my money because I want the most opportunity, not the, not the least opportunity. And a company that restricts my opportunity is going to, re- I'm not going to give them my cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. No, and no. I definitely think that that's a big factor. It just comes down to who's actually going to make it happen. Like I said, if EA says suddenly, well, we own Battlefield, and we want everybody to be able to play Battlefield. They'll make that work. They'll make that the game that does that. But this isn't something where Microsoft is the base that you play it on. They're not the ones that are actually controlling that in the same way. A lot of that's more on the developer side, and that's the thing that concerns me is that this is a great declaration, and Sony could go and say tomorrow, yeah, we're going to do it, but nothing may ever happen because... You could go and have too much interest in going and keeping those lines separated and going and propping up a part of your or a part of your gaming division just from a publisher's perspective. Because you do have to have different teams developing for the PlayStation that you do for the Xbox that you do for the PC. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have. But bear that. in mind, you, you only need one company like Rockstar to knock it out of the park. Oh yeah, no, it, one big AAA title could completely change the industry. Yeah, no yeah, no, it's that. definitely hinging on something like that, but that still has to kind of happen. Yeah, somebody will take the risk. Who knows? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, though. All right, um, we'll let's go out, on to the next does. topic real quick here. Um, another Microsoft thing. Um, this one's kind of funny. For who in here has played Minecraft other than myself and Tyler? Uh, a little bit. Quite a bit of time. Sorry. Okay. How, what'd you say, Greg? I have spent quite a bit of time mining blocks. Okay, good. Then you'll find this interesting that Minecraft is now being played by an AI. When 100 million human players just isn't enough. Um, yeah, um, this was released, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, Microsoft revealed that computer sciences in their research labs were, now, were using Minecraft as a teaching tool for artificial intelligence using the recently announced Project AIX platform. So essentially what they're doing with this is that they're using the fact that, well, obviously because uh, Minecraft is owned by Microsoft, so it makes sense that they're using this. But at the same, what they're doing is that because um, no, like when you play it on PC, Minecraft is always different. No matter if you would have, you'll almost never get the same world twice. Mm-hmm. Unless you specifically make an effort to do so, because you can get the same seed for multiple maps. But essentially, what it is is that they drop the the AI in, in on the map, and then they give it a challenge. It was like climb to the highest point in the map, and they have to 
learn how to do the computer has to learn how to do that like any other inexperienced human player would by looking at what the world looks around them and figuring out where they can go also by dying in lava repeatedly yeah but that's that's what everyone does which is the which is why they put it in there (laughs) don't mind straight up yeah or down or down Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it's it, it's it, like like the way it sounds like is um, they talked about how one it's just a program, so there's no physical parts of it that can break. So like when you teach a robot, like you put AI into a robot, the robot could break or or do something bad, and like you put a robot going out into the wilderness, it could like hit some rivers or break or something could go wrong. With this, it's just it's strictly programming, so you don't really have to worry about the physical aspect about it. And um, so therefore, it's quicker, I guess. It's, being, it's, it's got a lot more progress on it. It's also, it's a more very efficient funny. model. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, if Skynet starts in Minecraft. Yeah. It's funny because that you say that because if you actually scroll down into the comments of this thing, it's that there's two sets of comments here. It says um, um, the birth of Skynet, or sorry, sorry, uh, Skynet is coming, and then right above that, for any Minecraft nerds, Hero Brian is coming, uh, which for anybody knowing is the ghost of Minecraft, as they've liked to put it. Yeah, th- this is another. This is actually kind of a cool story. I mean. I don't think there's a lot of substance to it. I think this is just another example of Microsoft trying to go and market themselves in a cool way. Oh, definitely. But you know what? I'm okay with this one because it's just saying, look what we did. And we're using a video game. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, you know, this... I I don't think too much of this. I don't think this is where uh, Skynet starts. I am scared shitless by the prospect of Skynet, but uh, I, I don't think this is where it starts. I think it's just kind of a fun story, and... You know what? I don't say this often, but, you know, more power to Microsoft. You know, you went and paid a billion dollars to get a hold of this software system. And, you know, good for you for actually going and using it for something potentially constructive. Definitely. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because that was quite interesting. Yeah. And now just also as a quick thing as well, uh, today uh, PlayStation has released um, both the release date and the uh, price of the PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. Which is going to cost? It's going to cost three hundred and ninety nine dollars, okay. and it is being released on in October twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Just out of curiosity, is is anyone else uh, on, in my camp where you just really don't give a shit about VR? Uh, for the most part, me. it's it intrigues me, but I'm not going to go out and buy it. I don't yeah, want to. I want to get the vibe. I want to try vibe. Because I don't know, it, 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 it looks neat. Like I don't, I don't know if it's gonna just become another fad, like 3D or the uh, move controls or anything like that. But who knows? One day, I, I want augmented reality to become a thing. I like, want, I want so. a fucking holodeck. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not saying I'm saying I'm I'm absolutely certain that it will be an intriguing experience. I absolutely am certain that there will be a lot of really great content that's generated for it. For me, until it gets to an educational level, until I have augmented reality um, on 
a scale that is intellectual. Like for me, playing games, I don't want to strap anything to my face. I'm perfectly comfortable. I enjoy uh, the the journey type narrative, like a uh, six hours of of controller in hand. I really don't need to strap anything in my head. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, I actually look at this kind of from a different perspective, and I know they're not going to give this to me. And it pisses me off because it's really what I wanted for. I don't believe that the future of television or movies continues to exist with how big or how impressive a television you get. I do believe that ultimately the, you know, quote unquote, holodeck, hologram technology will eventually be the future. I agree. Um, and I, I like the idea because um, when I game now. I don't use television speakers anymore. Me, I've got a 7.1, or virtual 7.1 headset that I go and wear when I'm doing anything, even when I'm doing online play, because I like on how immersive the experience is. <laughs> and to See, me... I'm the, exact, I'm the exact opposite. I actually play with almost no volume a lot of the time. It freaks people out. Yeah. Hey, I, everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's got their own thing. I know that's not going to happen this generation, but I am hoping that this is a success because I do want things to switch more over to having that one-on-one experience in gaming in particular. And this might be on where the disconnect is until we get to like Microsoft's HoloLens, uh, where you have a true augmented reality concept coming to life. And then obviously miniaturizing it so you could actually go and take it mobile. Um, but I, I love the idea um, God, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It uh, Last year, Sony went and came out with a second-party title called Until Dawn, and it was basically a horror video game. And they're coming out with a new version. Well, I shouldn't say a new version. They're coming out with a new game from that franchise that's just for the PlayStation VR. And I love the idea of going and having that close, intimate uh, horror movie experience right there in front of your eyes rather than going and watching it on a television screen. Because I don't know about you guys, I just... I don't get creeped out when it comes to scary movies or anything like that, because I never feel like I'm connected to the situation. That's what I want VR to be, but I know it's not going to be in 99% of the cases this generation. Mm -hmm. But I do want this to be a success, unlike, say, 3D, where I don't feel like that really went and added anything to the experience other than giving you depth to what you're viewing. That's really all that did. And even then, unless you did it right, it didn't mean anything. I understand so, completely. Yeah. See, this this is the same feel why I feel like the cross-platform thing is like, I like the idea. I just, until it starts becoming a thing or happens, then it's just kind of hopes for now. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's me as well. Like, I want to be excited by this, but... Making a declaration doesn't mean anything in the real world. Yeah. You know, I, until I can say, happen. a puppy to every firstborn child. Did it happen? No. Maybe no, not. No, no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 what's this? Oh, wait. wait not Let me call my sister and see if she has a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my sister does have a puppy. Maybe you're right. <laughs> Perhaps I have just stumbled onto something. <laughs> Now, now the clincher is Cole's the firstborn child. So Cole, what? look around. Okay. Is, is there, there a puppy? puppy there? No. Is there a cat there? Fuck no. Are you sure? Yes. Yell out for a cat or something to see if something answers. <laughs> no. 
Because I know somebody will answer. <laughs> you have a cat right now. In human form called my roommate. <laughs> so your declaration's a little off, but close enough for me. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on and we'll kind of close it off here. Thank you once again, Greg, for joining us this week. Absolutely. It was my pleasure to be here. Even though we uh, had some some connect- connectivity issues, um, including a blackout. Uh, <laughs> Perseverance was had. Yeah, exactly. But I'm glad that you were able to make it and that you and uh, did you enjoy yourself? I had a great time. Good. Would you come back? I would be happy to come back. There we go, Robert. We added another one. Uh, wrestle him and wrangle him. Find him. He's out there somewhere. He will return. Yep. yep. Okay, we'll we got. We had that. We, he stuff. has said it. It is confirmed. It is sealed in contract. Yep. There you go. All right. I'm sure by the time you guys come down for a visit, you can sign it in blood. Yep. Ooh. In any case, though, thank you once again, everyone, for joining us this week on uh, We Are Doomed, a Soccer Rangers podcast. I want to make uh, a Canadian joke that maple syrup is thicker than blood. <laughs> anyways um you can find it we are once again like i said we are on itunes so you, if you want to check us out there um if you wish you can if you could please give us a five-star review and t- tell us what you think about the podcast and hopefully that will push us a little bit up the rankings and maybe we might get displayed on the front page someday um like we said before we are on soundcloud um, Robert will will figure out a way to figure that we're under Soccer Rangers on there. We do have a we do have a YouTube channel under Soccer Rangers as well, but unfortunately at this current time we are having issues due to YouTube, so we will be getting back to that as soon as possible. Yeah, Am all I- the old videos are still available. Just so everybody knows, it's just last week's episode hasn't shown up yet, and this week's one probably we'll won't see go when up. that makes it there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But in any case, though, thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you next time when we uh, try and figure out what the hell we're talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay, the band's here. Hit it, boys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Let up. Venus. <laughs>